This episode is brought to you by Plantronics Gaming. Today is Monday, the 7th of March, 2016, and this is The Gap, episode 312. Um, my name's Luke Laurie, and Job Gurroy is in, I don't know, a pool somewhere swimming at the moment. I don't know what he's doing, but that's cool, because we've got Nathan Lawrence here. He is in the house. Talk about a bucket load of games. I just added another one on the slide as well. Oh, you... jeez, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like... So this morning you were like, "Oh, can you add me to the um, to the document and I'll update on my games?" Like, yeah, yeah, sweet, I'll do that. And then I sent you the invite, and then like thirty seconds later, I look back and there's like twenty more games on the list. I'm like, "What the fuck? Yep. <laughs> what is going on?" Yeah, that's good though because I had shit all on here. You haven't been playing anything. No, I've had a busy week, so um, yeah, nothing for me. Not much anyway. Played a, a, a one game, but. Uh, and Siege. Dota. Yeah, Dota. Uh, yeah, actually, that's true. Dota. I watched a lot of Dota. Okay. Uh, and, a, and a cat on Twitch, I understand. And I was just watching General Mittens on Twitch, and it's amazing. Like, I don't know who, th- who thinks of these things, but uh, if I did, I'd be rich. Unfortunately, I'm not smart. Yeah, well, that's what I want to do with Pat. Get a, except get a, um, a GoPro. Call it, you know insert verb here with Pat so gaming with Pat working with Pat because he is just the biggest jerk cat yeah and ruins my life is mainly just... go on mainly jumps up in front of the screen when I'm um, like you know needed yeah it's like a really important part of the game and then suddenly there's Pat and he knows if he stands in front of the screen he'll get attention so he just stands there <laughs> he's a I, jerk I thought you were going to say like he plays iPhone games and that sort of uh, well, if you put on, I mean, like, you can use those stupid cat apps and put that on a tablet and, and he'll, you know, goes after that like it's catnip. But <laughs> but the problem with that is then any device that looks like the tablet then becomes the potential place where his digital rat friend lives. So <clears throat> he will knock my phone out of my hand. He dives on laptop screens and generally, yeah, it's a bad idea, isn't it? Yeah, I'm talking about you. He's death staring me. Yeah, I can hear you over there, you <laughs> asshole. You saying bad things about me, I'll kill you. <laughs> While you sleep. Mm. We did have his claws cut yesterday, thankfully, but I've still got the um, scars to show what they once were. Ah. Regularly updated. It's very nice of him. Ah, <laughs> uh, cats. cats. They're cats. the best, yeah. Yep. Yeah, they suck. <laughs> Should we talk about some games then? Uh, we should. We might be here for six hours, according to this list. No, I reckon we can do it pretty quick. <laughs> I reckon you smash through it. Uh, let's start with Siege, because that's the game everybody wants to hear us talk about. Uh, it's still on the list, obviously. But well, you've, I, been, you've been hacking the Siege, have you? I have. I've um, been like convinced that Mr. Luke Laurie, who's the self-professed MVP, uh, is a mad hacker. And he's yep. a mad hacker because he has 144 hertz, I believe. 
monitor. Is that correct? correct? Yes. Boom. And according to some of my little research, it means that he has a competitive edge because he gets to see people beforehand. Now, I'm obviously not serious about the hacking part, but the competitive edge part is very much of interest to me, um, particularly in this day and age where we've evolved uh, from membrane keyboards to mechanical keyboards. So the idea that your intention, your mental intention of how you want to do, which translates to obviously keystrokes, uh, but the keystrokes are read faster because a mechanical keyboard will register the keystroke faster, which sounded so nerdy that I almost passed out. Um, and then the crazy, you know, sort of gaming mice that you can have. I've got one, a Logitech one, where you can put um, different weights in it to give it that kind of like customize the feel. Yep. Um, once you get used to that, it's really hard to go back to another mouse. And then even within that, um, mouse mats that help to, you know, like slide across the surface more easily so you've got the hard and the soft ones it's just kind of crazy oh and obviously then um 7.1 a decent pair of 7.1 surround sound cans goes a long way are you so calling me crazy i've got all this shit well that's what we see you get it that's um but that's like we're talking about a public server environment like if we were talking a competitive environment you'd have to imagine that everything would be standardized right yeah um so in a pub server i mean i'm someone who's still running on a 60 hertz monitor at least it was until i found out that you can kind of overclock them a little bit depending on your model i think job got an extra five hertz out of his nice <laughs> and decided that that wasn't worthwhile and reverted and i pushed mine up to 75 hertz it's a simple google search away but if you're using an nvidia card you can actually do it through the control panel i understand that there's a third-party app you can download for amd stuff to uh to do that obviously have a look uh, into the model, specific model of uh, card that you have first. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that the extra 15 hertz has resulted in some sort of exponential little skill level, and it might not be, or sorry, uh, better KDR, uh, and it might be more psychological than anything, but I reckon there's a little bit of an edge. I'm noticing that I'm getting to fire first in head-to-head <laughs> firefights a, li- a little bit more often than I'm used to. And, and I'm very, very interested. I actually realized today that I've got in the garage um, an old Alienware. I think it's an Alienware. Uh, one of the f- initial 3D monitors, which oh, yeah. I believe does 120 hertz, if I'm correct. So I might even pull that out of the box and just run a comparison because I find this sort of stuff fascinating. Like the idea that Luke and I and Joby are are aging gamers and we would definitely would not be able to play competitively in games like... Oh, no, I could. I could. In games like LOL, we would be (laughs) too old considering that at age 24, they are um, considered too old and that's to do with the science of how... Your reaction times work, apparently. Yeah. Um, how many actions per minute you can do, which is mouse clicks and keystrokes and whatnot. And apparently, the older you get, the more that that deteriorates anyway, naturally. So we're literally at a disadvantage just by being old men. So yep. having whatever kind of competitive edge you can get on top of that, without obviously getting into glitching, hacking territory, which I have no interest in. But yeah, if you, there's stuff that you can purchase to give you that little bit of an edge. I'm, I think that that's um, something I'd like to explore. Yeah. Uh, one day you'll be as good as me, Nathan. If you I'm practice. very interested to see, yeah, if I get a 144 hertz monitor. In fact, I would uh, like to run an experiment, Mr. Luke Laureate. Uh, I'm not taking your, your crappy monitor. No, no, well, we'll get, um, we'll get you over here with your 
your monitor and your PC, and then we'll do we'll just switch between rounds. We so could just I could just lower my refresh rate from here. <laughs> that sounds boring. <clears throat> the science in that, man. Yeah, that works. Why would you do that? It's- my uh, case is quite large. Got a lot of shit, man. Mine's got handles on it, <laughs> specifically because it's it's a big bastard. Yeah. The um, I mean, it's not as bad as my last tower, but it's still still pretty bad. There's a lot of stuff in it. Right, but like like what sort of stuff do you have these days in a in a tower? I mean, it used to be that you were throwing in um, PCI cards for like TV tuners and all this other bullshit that eludes me. Sound cards back in the day. Yeah. But nowadays, it's sort of like you got your CPU, you got your RAM, you've got a video card or two if you're lucky, which I guess takes up a chunk of room, and then SSD, and that's kind of it, and a hard drive. Oh, I've got five hard drives in a Blu-ray <laughs> player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blu-ray. I hate my Blu-ray drive. It's so fucking slow. This whole bullshit about like, ah, oh, you have to region code your Blu-rays and change it and update it and all this other crap. Oh, get, get fucked. I yeah, just, yeah. Don't you have to download a player or something just to watch movies? Like, yeah, you do. Ugh, I've, I've never done it on my computer. I mean, why would I? I've got a, a big-ass TV behind me. But, yeah, it's just sort of like, why would you make that harder? And I was installing um, Primal the other day. Wait, is that on the list? No, I didn't add it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, was install- I only played the first half hour, so it's not really worth talking about too much. Oh, we can, yeah, I'll put it on there for you. All right, great. Um, but yeah, playing Primal the other day and installed it, and it seriously took an hour or something ridiculous to install from yeah, man. drive off two DVDs. Yeah. And I was just like, and the thing was, I don't know about if you have this problem, and I don't know if this is new or I've just never noticed it before, but it completely fucked my computer's performance <laughs> while it was installing. Like everything just had a delay to it. It was just taking ages to register keystrokes and, and input and whatnot. I was just like, what the fuck? And then, yeah, as soon as it installed an hour later, I was just the biggest mistake I ever made was <laughs> installing a game during during work hours. I probably would have been better off downloading it, to be honest. Yeah, was that, um, was that on an SSD or just a... Like a SATA drive or something. That was to an SSD, but the kind of read speed on the Blu-rays is just garbage, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's why um, when you watch a Blu-ray movie on your PS4 or Xbox One or whatever player you have, they, they put a lot of filler at the start, trailers and shit, because they're actually literally buying time so that they can load the movie. <laughs> I fucking hate that stuff, man. So do I, and and like you know, there's this amazing infograph. Not that I would ever recommend anyone pirates, of course, but there's an amazing infograph of all the bullshit you have to go through to watch a Blu-ray, like to actually get to the movie. Yeah. The steps, the FBI warning, and then it's like you know, pirated movie. Just press play. <laughs> yeah, and then sometimes they put those trailers in that you can't even skip. Yeah. On certain like things, I'll just be like, "No, nah, fuck you, you can't skip it." And again, it's just it's this idea of like, why are you punishing the people who pay for your product? Yeah. And and other people are like, hang on, I just press play on this one. I mean, I guess digital um, kind of changes that, unless you're a, a big fidelity junkie, which obviously the Blu-ray. Oh, I guess you could probably stream and download that once our internet infrastructure gets to where it should be. What ninety years from now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> When everyone has some decent internet connection. Oh, you do already, don't you? Yeah, yeah, mine's all right. I look at it all the time. But I'm scared that um, 
Have you ever tracked how much data you use in a month? Uh, yeah, I do. I've got a, I've got a limit on mine anyway. What's your cap? I think it's 600 gigabytes, something like that. Is that enough? Yeah, for the moment it is. Because I get worried that like a, my only option is Telstra, um, and they're for a terabyte. But I'm worried that that's not enough, and that sounds really weird, but I'm deadly serious that I don't think a terabyte is enough. I mean, when you think about, like, especially the way that the games industry is now, mm-hmm. uh, we get sent download codes a lot. And I mean, I downloaded um, a game that's at the bottom of the list, <laughs> yep. the old Gears of War Ultimate Edition. That was 56 gigabytes. Yeah. Like, that's a big chunk of a download cap, no matter what way you cut it, unless it's an unlimited data. I mean, right now I'm with TPG, so I've got unlimited data, but... Yeah. Uh, see, I've got free zone stuff on my plan, um, okay. which they actually scrapped in their last revisions of, of plans, but uh, because I haven't changed, mine's still the same. So uh, Steam for me is free, Xbox is free, uh, Netflix is free. So the pretty much the three big ones that I would use um a good uh, for the moment <laughs> that's um that's aussie netflix as well isn't it yeah yeah i mean not that you would do this of course but i understand that there are vpning dns workaround people out there <laughs> who prefer to access international libraries and yeah. yeah but i mean that stuff adds up as well yeah um streaming in hd but yeah it's just it's just sad i just like i bitch about it more to do with um phone plans to be honest especially because traveling overseas a lot you get to see a lot of ads and say in the u.s there's like unlimited data plans on phones like it's just a normal thing you know yeah like oh 60 bucks a month unlimited everything and you just like yet over here it's it's like data is treated like it's this fucking finite resource yeah well when we usually like if we got e3 i'll just buy a phone over there well not a phone but a plan because it's cheaper than just taking our phone and getting like an international pack um yeah, because it costs you like three times as much. So just get a, you know, a throwaway number and give it to everyone and off you go. Yeah, especially because I buy little data packs mainly just to use Uber while I'm over there. Yeah. Um, but I only get 50 megabytes of data. Like that's the only increment that I can buy. Is oh, and you'll, you'll throw your fucking internet out in about two minutes once you switch on your email. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or anything, like Facebook, turn- like have to turn sync off you just basically have to turn synchronization off on everything and, and manually update and rely on wi-fi for for the bigger stuff but yeah it's just like 50 megabytes like that's not even a, a real size these days for and of course the the internet infrastructure and the apps and whatnot have all upgraded their quality to not just reflect the better screens and whatnot but also to reflect that people have access to faster internet yeah and i mean i4g network's great over here um, I just wish that, yeah. I mean, I, I guess fast forward five years or something when, fingers crossed, someone it's going to take someone like TPG or one of these dodgy little telcos to just come out and say, yep, unlimited plan for 80 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. And it, then Optus and Telstra's of the world will have to match that. And that's just going to be a glorious day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. Because then who cares about, like, NBN and whatnot? I will just be... The guy who's, you know, playing games online or uploading and downloading from my phone. Yeah. Well, TPG had, um, you know, they, they were the, kind of the ones that started the unlimited downloads on broadband. Yeah, I've been with them ever since they did. So yeah. They've obviously had my loyalty for a very, very long time. Um, and the only reason I went, like, I had to change was because they had, uh, when we got Firebar here, 
um, they didn't have fiber plants, so I had to go with like an internode or iInet. Well, they do now, don't they? They do now, yeah. Through a third-party provider, I believe. I keep like every few weeks when I get sick of my internet, I'll go onto their website and like resubmit a form, which is like, we will get in touch with you when it's available in your area. I'm like, just tell me now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we've uh, <laughs> we went way off topic there. We were talking about monitors, and somehow we got over to internet infrastructure. It's fucking tech corner open this bitch, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, um, so have you played any siege like the new the new update went through last week? Um, I think Tuesday night or or Wednesday morning. Have you played any of that? I have. I played a few hours. What do you think? I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm like I, you know, the biggest gripe is that they still haven't fixed the kill cam. I guess you could say, so there's a bit of uh, assumed knowledge that you need to understand that the kill cam is a liar, basically. <laughs> and yeah. that, cl- that classy headshot that you pulled off that just looks like you shot wide is, you know, you can't trust it. There's still, I, th- I think that they still need to work on the tick rate, to be honest. But generally speaking, um, and in terms of static enemies, so that, as in the ones who are not moving stationary, rather, uh, they, the hits, the hits just seem to be connecting oh, with a whole lot more frequency as they should have been all along, which is good because I mean they've made these updates because they wanted to be on the competitive scene, right? Yeah, and there was like a, I think there was a competition over the weekend as well. Yeah, and, and that's like they were very explicit about the fact that this specific update was for that. I've noticed um, a lot less hackers. That's good. Uh, so either either the fact that they've added this sort of transparency or the fact that there's now an in-game report player for suspicious action, which is good. I like that phrasing, right? something like that. But it's like not just report player and then you're like, he's a dick or whatever. Like it's <laughs> report player specifically for hacking because that's the only thing they're interested in is just a one-click um, kind of reporting function. And I think that's that should have been there from the start because – you know, if you're a really skilled player, you're going to get accused of, of hacking. And if you're a hacker, then everyone's going to report you. And it, it makes Ubisoft's life easier to go, oh, okay, this guy keeps getting reported, but we've looked at him and he's just, you know, a particularly good player versus, oh, this guy's level two and he just got 100 headshots and 100 bullets, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm, we'll pay, probably take a closer look at that guy. So it, it, instead of the, the arduous process before of having to go to the support side, fill out a ticket, put in information, provide evidence if you had it, like it's just, it was a nightmare. No one's going to do that shit. Yeah, by the time you get to the end of it, you're just like, this is actually annoying me more than the hacker because it's just such a convoluted process. So, no, I'm, I'm glad they have. And, and I like, I really like Ubisoft's... Um, transparency of late with you know acknowledging the bigger feedback points from the community saying it's either fixed or it's going to be fixed in a later update or even to the point where they're like you know what we don't know how to fix this one right now so yeah that was the thing right though they were were trying to fix something and they said oh we thought it was going to be fixed this patch but it's not (laughs) it's harder than what we thought it was which was the ip um hiding the ip address of people yeah, yeah, for the old um, DDoS stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's been a really positive step forward. Like, it's, it's, it's I guess, a really kind of harsh reality of, of gaming, I guess specifically more PC gaming, given our outspoken roots, uh, is that we tend to pile on and abuse the, the games that we love the most because otherwise yep. why would we give them our time but but once you work through that I think that what you get is a really dedicated community that will then go and stick up for you so when the new people come in and go oh this is bullshit this 
thing happen. It's like, dude, you, you know, you're behind. It's it's already <laughs> been addressed. They've already said that they know that they need to fix it or they fixed it and they broke something else that they're still looking into it. Like, I just like that games development is starting to move more towards this idea of community transparency. Overwatch is another example uh, where they do that, but Blizzard's been pretty good with that, as opposed to kind of like these other companies that they're like, ooh, we don't want to talk about that right now. We'll leave that as a secret. And yeah. it gets to launch, and you're kind of like trusting that they're going to deliver something, and it gets to launch, and it's just garbage, or it's broken, or or embargo doesn't lift until after the game goes on sale, or something where they're kind of just like, they know it's got issues, but they don't want anyone to know about that. Whereas I feel like if you're like, you know what, guys, servers are going to be a bit broken at launch, so we advise you just avoid it, uh, multiplayer for two days or something. Yeah. But then it'll be golden. I feel like people would be more willing to be patient with that. Mm-hmm. The majority. I mean, you're going to get the dickheads. You're going to get the zero out of 10 Metacritic hero, <laughs> no yeah. matter what you do. But fuck those guys. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Have you played it since patch? Um, no, I haven't had a chance to. <laughs> we should remedy that. I was playing just before the podcast, man. <laughs> I will try to. Yeah, I think I think you'll like it. Um, I don't think like it's not one of those uh, sort of bigger patches, you know, where they, they you started to notice some of the more major changes. I think it's just kind of like a like a refining patch, and I don't think we're moving forward. We're going to see much big stuff unless the DLC for whatever reason breaks things. But I'm still having a ball with it, man. Like, you know, it was copying a lot of shit in the same way Battlefront was, uh, if well, Battlefront really, really deserved it, uh, about a, a lack of content. Yep. But any good, any well-designed multiplayer game where even though you're playing on the same map, because obviously map knowledge is key, but if it feels different every time you play, and it does. Like, even if we've applied the same tactics, something always changes. Something goes down differently, or you get to clean slate one round with a tactic. But you know that if you try that in the third round, they're going to be looking out for it. Like, if you'd like to peek, they're going to be looking at those windows that you peeked out of that first time. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to do it again. Like, so I really, I really like, I think a well designed first person shooter, it doesn't matter if there's only. What, two or three maps that people play? I mean, look at the history of Counter-Strike, man. Yeah. People only played, what, three or four maps on that on rotation, and that was, I mean, I played scores and scores, hundreds of hours of that. Yeah. In the competitive scene, when it first started, there was maybe five maps in rotation that people would play. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much all, like, the competitive scene kind of cared about, but there was still, like, more, way more maps, and some of them were okay, but... Some of them were shit, and that's the thing I like about Siege is that that all the maps in there I think are really good, uh, and I don't I don't get like bored with any of them. I'm not like oh that not this map again, unless I've played it three times straight. But uh, I think they're all really well done. Actually, they seem to have fixed that. To be honest, that's something I've noticed that I stopped bitching about having played the plane map three times in a row or something. <laughs> yeah, they um so they put the rotation of the the new map um up a bit higher. But otherwise, I, I don't know about anything else. I haven't actually played on um, ship that much to the point where I still don't know it. Like, I of all the maps, and I get that it's the newest, but I just feel like I don't know where I'm going a lot of the time. Yeah. Which yeah. is what it felt like the first time you started playing Siege. But given that we've played these maps so many times now for, you know, dozens and dozens of hours, ship, I'm just like, I would not have a problem if they actually did ship three times in a row just so I'd be like, hey, I can actually learn this map. I mean, like, you can do it in a terrorist hunt, but why would you? They're not the best. Yeah, exactly. 
Anyway, uh, should we move on? Mm-hmm. Battlefront is something that's uh, <laughs> at the other end of the spectrum, right? Yeah. <laughs> you haven't played Battlefront, have you? No, I didn't buy it. Oh, <laughs> it's like I was aware of how bad it was before I um, – well, not how bad it was. Like, it wasn't something I was enjoying when I played those um, those betas and that sort of thing. I just didn't oh, think it had it. the legs. I loved it. Um, I know. I know. We had you on here. Yeah. No, I was I was a massive fan of it. And then, you know, um, they just had made Classic Dice some really, really stupid decisions. Not all of which they have fixed. I mean, there's still no server browser. So I'm not about to say, go give it another chance, guys, because the server browser's there. But it's clear that they've kind of, you know, taken their little slap on the wrist and gone, all right, all right, okay, we need to fix some things. And just stupid little things, like the fact that the free DLC, the Battle of Jakku DLC, required people to click a button or press a button to switch to that matchmaking, but everyone has it now. Everyone yeah. had it, um, so I had to download it a week after it released because the early access people got it a week before and then everyone else got it a week later. So the, there was this kind of belief or, or this fear for, of mine that the community was artificially split in two because there was people who didn't realize they had to click on a fucking button up the top to get into the matchmaking that included the Battle of Jakku. So they literally split their community in half across platforms. And you're just like, that's dumb, guys. <laughs> yeah. And if that's a sign of what we can expect from the DLC, that's also dumb. But um, they've added in um, small maps. Um, I mean, specifically, I played the larger modes. They've put Turning Point was just on the the Jakku map, and now it's been shifted through everything. Mind you, I haven't been able to find a match of that. Apparently, nobody wants to play it. Even though I think it's a great mode, um, nobody seems to be playing it. I can pretty easily during peak times find a match for Supremacy again, which is nice because that was my favorite mode until everyone stopped playing it for some reason. And Walker Assault is still the most popular. Um, but yeah, man, having a lot of fun. Uh, again, because I think that they've balanced some of the weapons again, uh, so they feel like a bit more varied. Not super varied because there's really no recoil and whatnot, but they just feel like at certain ranges, there are weapons that are perform better, and that wasn't properly reflected, I think, in launch version. Hit registry seems to be a lot better, which is obviously essential in any shooter. And I've been having fun, man, just jumping in and you know having a couple of cheeky rounds and then moving on to something else. But that's what that game was for me, because I feel like, like with any dice game... Um, they're usually a bit shaky at launch, unfortunately, and then they patch stuff and it gets to a really, really stable, playable space where the community that embraced it or continues to embrace it is the kind of dedicated people. So you've got a, a decent player base of skilled players playing together. Uh, and then by the time whenever the fourth or fifth round of DLC rolls in, it's also got a lot of content. I mean, the Battlefield games, I don't think really suffered from a lack of content. They've always had what I feel is like a decent amount of content, even if people only play or like to play certain maps and the larger modes. But that was fine because that's what I play Battlefield for. I don't play Battlefield to mimic some Call of Duty close quarters shit. I play it to get in vehicles and, you know, have some all-out mayhem with massive destructibility. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, so I'm not about to say, Luke, you're wrong, go and get it. 
<laughs> Especially with like the player base. Every time I see it, I'm just like, no. There's just I feel like there's not enough on the platform I want to play it on. Well, PC is uh, the best platform for it. I mean, it's a shooter for starters. It looks absolutely stunning. It's been incredibly well optimized, in my opinion. Um, I get an insanely high frame rate on it and on ultra settings, and yeah, it looks looks beautiful. Like in terms of like that that what they were going for and what I believe they nailed, despite the lack of content, was this idea of feeling like you're actually playing in the Star Wars space with the the photo kind of close to photorealistic visuals in some instances and then the soundtrack and then the sounds um, the soundscape the very Star Wars soundscape and they, they kind of nailed that in my opinion but um, yeah, it's just a shame that there was a, just a giant giant lack of content which makes me very interested to think what they're going to do with uh, Battlefield 5 which is coming out this year unless it gets delayed yeah and there's been a lot of rumors about that recently the old World War One rumors, yeah, <laughs> which I'm of two minds about. I would love to see it. I just don't think that they'll do it. Like, I would love to see them, you know, have the brass cojones to do that. Um, I mean, they might, given that the last Battlefield game was a cop one, cops and robbers. So they're willing to experiment. But they, then, at the same breath, they might be like, "Well, that one didn't work out as intended." I mean, there was more. There are more people playing Battlefield Four on PC last time I checked. Mm. And possibly even three than um, Hardline. Yeah, the thing was that like Battlefield Three, Four were pretty similar in terms of the timelines. Um, whereas, can they do that a third time? I'm not sure. Well, yeah, I mean, you want you want a bit more, and it's kind of good that like there's a second studio working on Battlefield games, which like what Call of Duty did, which is shift to a three-year development cycle. It means that there's less of this idea of kind of churning out a sequel every two years, which isn't the best for mm. for f- making something that feels sufficiently like it deserves to be um, a new entry and not. Like, why couldn't this have been DLC or something like that? Because yeah. Battlefield 4 did, in many ways, feel like kind of like an extension of 3. Like, they hadn't really added enough. You know, adding in a commander mode, or sorry, commander role. Uh, destructibility yeah. was the end point. I think that um, if they're really looking to push uh, into the mechanics, they should be pushing into the destructibility engine because Frostbite has the power to do it. We've seen it. Um, but instead of going for this like super awesome visual fidelity, I kind of wish that they weren't as concerned about that and go more into the ways in which you can completely level buildings, flatten buildings. You can create giant, you know, artillery sort of cover defilade type positions. Yeah. I think that is that extension of the idea that I was talking about earlier of a well-designed multiplayer shooter will always feel different if you give people enough mechanics to play the same maps in different ways. And Battlefield's always kind of had its destruction um, that kind of has trumped. I don't think anything else is really doing destructibility, are they? Well, Siege is doing destructibility, but not on the same. bit different. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to go back again to the Bad Company 2 logic because I loved, you know, you play a map and there'd be that one map where this particularly good sniper would get up into a, a really high vantage point in a building and they would just kind of wail on you. So you would just get in a tank and you would shoot the building down. Like, yeah. Just completely remove the sniper nest. Like that, that idea is what I love. Or, you know, you're getting surrounded, you're getting flanked, so you blow a hole in the wall to escape 
from them. Or, there's, you know, there's a guy on the other side of the wall, so you shoot the wall and you blow it up and it kills him. Like, that was, um, you know, dynamically changing the battlefield yeah. was what made it uh, so exciting and so different. I put in 350 hours, I think, to Bad Company 2 as a compared to maybe 150-ish on 3 and 4. Yeah, I put a lot into Bad Company. I, I hope they make another one. I would love for them. I think they're scared of it. Like, you know, that guy came out, um, what was that for? Battlefield 4, I think. And, you know, I was talking to him at this dinner about, like, dude, what happened to Bad Company? And, <laughs> and he was just like, we're scared. We, we don't know what we did right there. Um, and we don't know how to go back and kind of repeat that lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Which sucks because I'd I'd be infinitely overjoyed to hear that this year's Battlefield is Bad Company Three or who cares if they did a reboot or whatever, just a Bad Company game. Lots of fun. Yeah, yeah. I, like I'm, I always I've said this before, but I've I've really liked the Battlefield Bad Company games. Um, Bad Company Two I played a lot of, and it, I think it was mainly because they don't go too much into the the vehicle side of it like there's no there was no jets and that sort of thing um whereas when i played battlefield 3 and and 4 i was mainly the infantry guy i I didn't like getting in planes and doing all that sorts of that sort of shit so like the the close combat thing is what i really liked about bad company so that's why i've always been drawn to that type of gameplay yeah there was definitely a greater uh, emphasis on the infantry side of things and, and also stronger teamwork I do as well like there was the, the um, I can't remember which class which was really bad but the class that had the, the tracking dart you could put onto a vehicle which meant that everyone could lock their rocket launches onto a particularly good helicopter pilot or a tank pilot camping at the back and it was just this great equalizer for people who were trying to find sneaky um, insta win options yep. and it had kind of a longer time to kill as well so unless you were pulling off headshots you could take hits from someone who didn't know how to aim and you could still survive. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was great. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Anyway, I guess we'll see what they do, right? Yeah, I can't imagine that they'll hold off much longer in announcing it. If, if I mean, like they said in the Stockholder meeting that it's coming out this year. Mm. Um, it's pretty safe to assume that they try to beat Call of Duty out, which comes out in November, so I think they'll aim for October or early November, yeah, which means so. that they need to announce it soon, and in the past they've announced it at or around GDC, which is later this month. Yeah. So I imagine we will hear something very, very soon either way. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm always excited to hear about a new Battlefield game, but I really hope that they don't fucking lead with single player. Oh my god, if they do that again the things I will write. Um, <laughs> and I hope that they like, Oh, that's kind of what we were linking things back to before with battlefront. Um, I interviewed Andrew Wilson, who's the CEO of EA at Gamescom last year. Um, and the interview ran in game informer Australia. So if you have that, you can go track it down. I think it was around the September, maybe October issue. Anyways, I was chatting to him about why the hell does battlefront not have, single player and his response was that they would love to have built a single player um, game in the star wars space but the fans don't want that which on one hand if you want to be cynical you would say i smell bullshit and it's probably more likely that 
Disney didn't want you to tell a story in that space because every story around Star Wars that is released now, be it a children's book or a video game, if it has a narrative component, it has to be approved by uh, Lucasfilm. Yeah. Like they have a, a story group that signs off on it. And I think that's you know a really good way to protect their band and to ensure that <clears throat> anything that has a narrative component is canonized, which which I think is, you know, is, is good. So maybe he was protecting that truth or something uh if he's being that was the honest answer of being up front then to me that means that if that is true we will see that battlefield 5 doesn't have single player which is great because it means that they have been 100 percent focused on creating a uh, multiplayer game you know they can throw in something like the single player situations or maybe some co-op horde mode stuff which i think would still be fun with a destructibility engine and whatnot Mm. To, to appease the people who want to have a battlefield experience but don't necessarily want to go online uh, in the traditional competitive sense. But for me, if they come out and say, okay, guys, you've, you've smashed us the last two core battlefield games uh, over our storytelling abilities or lack thereof, thus we're not having a story. We just want to give you the greatest multiplayer experience that you've had in a long time and great. I will applaud. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Let's do it. No That's more single player <laughs> in Battlefield. Yeah, I'm happy for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's let's keep going on then. Um, do you want to talk about London? London, where I played everything. Apparently, looks like it. What do you want to talk about, man? You ask me. Uh, how was your trip? First of all, it was uh, short. Short, yes. It was a long way to go, but thankfully I got to play a lot of games. I got to talk to a lot of people. Mm. Uh, and in that sense, it was it was quite productive. It's, you know, like, I mean, you joked about it earlier of how daunting it was to add all this stuff to the list, but it's like, That's... it's it's good for me yeah. to go, holy shit, I played a lot of games recently. I've had a taste of a lot of different genres. Um, in this instance, being a Sony trip, it was obviously revolving around PlayStation 4 things. And the main reason I was there was for a little game called No Man's Sky. Yeah. And secondary to that was some uh, PSN digital showcase that had 16 games on hand. <laughs> I didn't play all of them. Uh, there was not enough time, regrettably. But... Um, yeah, it's impressive. Like, it's an impressive amount of games to be flying overseas for, which is instead of the usual thing of where it's just one game that they're particularly hyped about. But they were very, very excited about No Man's Sky. Um, and you would have probably seen a lot of coverage coming out for it yeah, uh, recently. as of late last week. Yep. And it's really, uh, it's a really tricky game to sell, man. And, I mean, that's um, Sean Murray who's the kind of the main developer guy and, and he thought up this idea and started working on it in secret um, before expanding his team massively to 10. So there's 10 Whoa. people making this game, uh, <laughs> which is particularly impressive given its ambition. But he gave a half an hour presentation, which most of which was gameplay, and he said, I've just... And he felt like he was rushing because he's like, he was trying to get through so much... He said it's a really hard game to show off. And then we had half an hour of hands-on time, and I don't even feel like I scratched the surface of the surface of that game um, in terms of what it has to offer. So it's, it's like a really, conceptually, a really hard sell. Because everyone's asking, hey, what did you think? You've played it. Like, you know, do, do I get excited about it? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I would be comfortable saying that after six hours. I think from what I played, I definitely wanted to play more. Like, yeah. 
which is a great sign. It wasn't like, oh, wow, that's overhyped and, and garbage. Like, but, but for me, what I boiled it down to from the little bit that I played is that it's a game that is so kind of dependent on tapping into your curious nature. And if you're not a curious person, I don't think you'll find it rewarding. But if you're an intensely curious person who loves the idea of walking over a hill and discovering an alien species in this kind of connected game that you can name because it's been spotted for the first time uh, and that any other player that comes to that planet and finds that animal, it will have your name on it. Um, procedurally generated worlds, trillions, literally trillions of them. If that idea is like the idea of exploring and kind of light on survival mechanics and you know a little bit of combat thrown into the mix as well as trading, if you like that idea with some space light space simulator stuff, yep. then yeah, this game is definitely worth a look. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still like a bit hesitant about it. I, like the things I've seen seem pretty cool, but um, you know how much like the, I guess the thing everybody's worried about is how much gameplay is there going to be um, is it going to be all the same like are you just going pretty much from planet to planet like is there anything more than that um, yeah and I guess with your half an hour it, it, that's not really <laughs> like ample enough time to be able to say yeah I've played you know I've put hours and hours upon into this game and it gets really good and it like changes and evolves as you go through but yeah I'm, I'm just not sure at the moment about that one yeah, I know I can really kind of relate to that feeling um, of not wanting to say definitely, absolutely, this lives up to the hype. And I'm, I've got no problem doing that um, with games where uh, if I've played half an hour and I feel, you know, justified in saying that, I will absolutely put my balls on the line and say, yes, this game, yes, believe the hype. The hype is real. But this one, it's not like I'm saying the opposite. I'm not saying you don't get it or anything like it's there is definitely enough there to appease a curious person such as myself and i wanted to play a whole lot more and the idea of how like little things like um alien languages of which that seems to be implied that there are multiple different mm -hmm. alien languages and you can go to traders or you can go and chance upon these ancient monoliths that can teach you a single word of that alien language so that when you go and talk to a trader from that species you will get <clears throat> all of the text in, you know, gobbledygook, uh, alien language, except the one or two words that you know in English. And from that, you've got to respond. So either they're asking you a question or they're issuing a challenge or something. And if you respond correctly, because either you've gone and learnt the language enough to be able to get the context of what they're saying or asking, or you've learnt it so much that it's completely in English, because you understand it, then you can get quite decent rewards. Like I got a great little gun that replaced my primary that was a bit shitty uh, and it had this kind of red faction like secondary fire ability that allowed me to shoot giant holes in you know create my own caves so it's kind of like a little bit like minecraft yeah so that stuff was really kind of really cool i did i did enjoy like the idea of that and just again the curiosity of I, i've got a science ship and this ship is a bit shitty it's just built to kind of go and visit planets and i got attacked a couple of times when i was um, entering and leaving planets by kind of randomized threats and so i was like well what if i 
could go and find a sort of more militarized ship so that I could start attacking, you know, traders and stealing their supplies. And this is all sorts of stuff that you can do. So it's definitely one of those, like, kind of like Skyrim-like games in that the, the main stuff is best found off the beaten path and it's sort of more about that idea of well, what's around the next corner, what's over the next hill. Um, and as long as the gameplay loop is diverse enough and there's, an, like, enough little crazy nuances going on within that to keep reinforcing those four pillars of trading, exploring, surviving, and combat, then I think that this game will be a winner. But I can also see it really being an acquired taste. Um, yeah. And, and I can see people going in and, like, basically saying, you're going to have to put in 10 hours before you know whether you feel it or something like that, like those sorts of disclaimers. And I don't think that's fair to ask of people. Yeah. But, you know, it depends on where you start, what planets you get to, and, you know, how much it grabs you enough that that initial, not the grind would not be the right word, but that initial however many hours, if that is rewarding to you, then that, of course, the gameplay loop has done its job and you would keep going, and then potentially you have a game that could last forever, foreseeably. (laughs) But I don't think it from what they've said it doesn't really seem to have like a main storyline it just sort of is kind of like journey in that they want you to travel from the edge of the galaxy to the center to the middle of the yeah and that's that's the that's like their thing they're they're saying right is you got to get to the middle or is that a fucking peter molly thing i'm thinking of no no that's it like but, but you don't have to like apparently if you wanted to go from the edge to the middle and you just mainlined it um, it would take like 30 or 40 hours or something. But the whole point of the game is not to do that. Uh, the whole point of the game is to get lost and get distracted and go and find all these weird and wonderful new planets. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I like the idea of it from a casual point of view. Like, like Kind of like that casual gaming experience of just like loading something up and kind of not knowing, even though you know the core mechanics and what to expect in that respect, but not knowing what it's going to throw at you because of the procedurally generated planets. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Cool. Um, what did you think about the price tag they've kind of slapped on this one? I figured it was going to be that all along. Yeah. I figured they were going to charge a, uh, you know, a full price, and why not? Um, because I think that it's um, there's potentially, like I said, hundreds, hundreds, thousands of hours in there if you engage with it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have a problem with that. And it sounds like from my interview with Mr. Murray that they are definitely open to the idea of adding more content. In fact, he was very sleep deprived and started saying more than I think he wanted to, and. <laughs> started hinting at the idea of things that they could add such as you know seasons to the planet and terraforming and all these you know multiplayer or something because it doesn't really have multiplayer it's like asynchronous isn't it uh i don't know what that means it's like you name like a you can do all this shit but someone else can kind of visit the planet but they're not really there and but it's uploading all the data to one central point yes Yes, so you can play it offline technically, but if you want to do things like that, which is the very minimum ways that you can interact in a kind of multiplayer kind of way, and that someone else will see it, you have to be online. You have to be online to name things yeah, and to kind of upload the new data about the places that you find to the central, you know, knowledge place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you name any planets after dicks? 
I didn't. I don't know if you can name planets. Um, you can name the animals, and you could name them after dicks, but there's going to be a profanity filter on. What? Alas, so you'll have Four to. Four out of ten. You have to get creative with how you name things after dicks. But we did talk about that in my interview, <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he said uh, it was very. It was hard not to like if someone called you know the, a, a dick-faced giraffe or something. For instance, which wasn't his example, he said it was very hard to not see that once once the name was in your head. You're like, <laughs> it does look like a dick face giraffe. So they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna reset what we did, um, and they're going to put a profanity filter on. Boring. All right, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm keen to play it. Um, I'm just cautious at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm keen to play it. Yeah, uh, yeah, very keen to see um, what it has and whether it can grab my attention to be honest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, cool. What else did you play over there? I'm just having a look at this list. I played Shadow of the Beast. All right. Which I confused with Altered Beast during my initial research. Um, That is uh, a really kind of fun, super violent, side-scrolling action little platformer with little bits of puzzles from what I saw. Game. Um, a big brawling game that where they want you to get to the end of a level and feel like you've killed hundreds of people in incredibly bloody ways. Yeah. And uh, you will be able to do that in this game. It was particularly interesting because... Um, oh, I can't remember the chap's name. Apologies, Mr. Man, who I interviewed, but he was talking about this idea of when he took... He went into Sony to pitch, um, and he had three or four different games prepared to pitch. And so he pitched them and they're like, those all sound really great and interesting. And they said, just as a random question, what would you really want to do? And they had like the original, I think the award or something for shadow of the beast in there. And he's like, I'd love to do that. And then just started going ranting basically about how much of a fan he was. And how he used to create these little backstories for the universe when he was a kid. And so that's how they got it. But he went back to his studio and he said, we're going to do this game, Shadow of the Beast. It's going to be a reboot, but I don't want any of you to go online now to look at Shadow of the Beast for reference. I want you to just write down what you remember about it. It was this amazing kind of exercise in uh, nostalgia. And uh, one of the recurring themes was like, you just get through a level and you just have all this blood everywhere. And then when they went and actually looked at it, they realized there was like no blood. Yeah. So, so they just kind of imagined that. But because they wanted to preserve the idea of what they thought it was versus what it actually was. So like it becomes an incredibly bloody game. I, th- I thought that was a really cool way of approaching conceptualizing how to make a reboot for something that kind of obviously has a nostalgic value. Um, but like tapping more into the no- nostalgic value than, than instead of being, um, you know, we're going to be so dedicated to what it was that there will be no blood because it never had blood in the original game and just trying to <laughs> say, we're making this just like the original game. So, yeah, it's kind of fun. I, um, I'm a bit worried that it might get repetitive and whatnot, but, um, again, I played a bit and I'm like, I want to play more. I like the art design. I, I like the pace at which it plays. I like the crazy little combos and super special abilities that you get involved in. Um, and, yeah, it was fun. Cool. Sounds pretty good. Next. What's next? Why don't you pick another one? Pick- uh, you want me to pick one for you? Yeah. From uh, the, after the, yeah, anyways, just pick one. <laughs> Street Fighter? <laughs> no, don't pick that. Damn it. See? Okay. Uh, brutal. 
brutal. Brutal. Uh, at all? Yeah, so the little, they've got a little at symbol in there if you're looking for this game. Brutal instead of the A. Uh, I'd never heard of it before. I'd also never heard of the ASCII, ASCII. ASCII. Old um, RPGs that they used to make back in the day. This is a rogue-like game, which yep. means that uh, if you get to level twenty-five of level twenty of twenty-six potential levels in this game and die, you will reset. Yep, you will go back to the beginning. Uh, and on top of that, the levels are randomised, so you can't have any crazy little shortcuts. Uh, you can play local co-op. Possibly online comp. You can play the same screen comp at the very least. It looks like Tron. It looks like an isometric Tron. And so I love the the look of it. Um, lots of like big bright light outlines for everything. Um, and it's just yeah, it's a heap of fun. Uh, you can pick your your RPG kind of class from a few different archetypes. And it's got these crazy little features like potions. So you can make potions, which is pretty normal, but when you make a potion, it won't actually tell you what its effect is. So it could be poison or it could be health. So the best way to tell what it does is to brew the first one and then throw it at an enemy. (laughs) But that might put them into rage mode or give them the health back or something like that. So, but once you've done it once, in that playthrough, I hasten to add, um, you will it will tell you what the potion does after that. But there's like all these little things on top of that. Like there's these kind of altars that you can get to um, where you can pray to the gods and give them a certain amount of gold. And it, it, you won't know how much gold you should give them, but if they don't accept your offering of gold, they take it anyway and they get really angry with you. If they do accept it, they give you an extra life. So there are ways to kind of die and come back and there's, you know, secret rooms and weapons are built by finding letters of the alphabet and, uh, you know, staff might be built by finding letters, I don't know, PID or something. So you find those letters, but one of those letters might be a special character that is imbued with fire or something like that. So, it sounds like it's really kind of diverse, and it's from what I saw of the first few levels and played of the first few levels, it's it wasn't so hard that you would just like rip your hair out, and this is like Dark Souls kind of the isometric Dark Souls experience. Yeah. But so someone like me would be interested in it, is what I'm saying. But it looks like the kind of little fun co-op game as well that you could get someone over and you'd be like, let's try to get through to level 26 to fight this big fucking dragon. And even though you know by the time you, if you made it that far, that the dragon would probably kick your ass first few times and you'd want to snap a controller, I still think that um, it has a lot of fun, especially for a game that I'd never heard of before. Yeah, it looks interesting. Like uh, I just looked a couple of the pictures on the uh, internet. Uh, it's like they've grabbed that old the thing you're talking about like the old ASCII art style because um, that's kind of like how you would look at it it would be like just a this flat image and they've kind of taken that type of thing and then put it into a 3D map um, so you've still got you're still running around and it's like, like this isometric view but within the environment the textures of the the, the characters within the environment so um, yeah it looks, looks interesting that art style but like with that Tron thing as well where they're their their limbs are highlighted and they've got these lines and they're glowing and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's got a really distinct um, visual presentation, but like it, it also had fun gameplay as well. So quite a good little kind of action RPG brawler. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Alien Nation. Boom. 
Alienation is a Twix, uh, Twix, Twitch stick shooter from <laughs> Housemark, and they made most recently Dead Nation. Yep. Which I thought was a lot of fun um, for what it was. But this is kind of like a spiritual successor to that. It's sci-fi themed, as the name implies. Um, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. So it's a top-down shooter? You're just smashing aliens? Is that what it is? Yep, yep. And you're going and doing objectives, and you're finding loot boxes and getting all sorts of crazy weapons and weapon upgrades. But they've added a class system now, so there's different uh, class archetypes, and that means different special abilities and... Um, as anyone who played Dead Nation would know, like it can get quite overwhelming with the amount of enemies that it's throwing at you. So there's quite a lot of running backwards while firing. And I was only playing by myself, um, which is regrettable. I wish I'd been able to try it with someone else, but it was a shitload of fun. And just that kind of like pick up and play idea, you know, like I could play this game for 20 minutes for a level, or I could play it for like six hours if there was two or three or even four other players or sorry four players max um playing with me especially with the class system where everything feels a bit different yeah so i'm like that's definitely on my to watch list Hmm. and uh i'm looking forward to playing a lot more when it comes out right so that's co-op as well isn't yeah yeah up to four players yeah and it gets crazy, man. Like, they showed us some videos of, like, they'd captured some four-player mayhem where there's all sorts of special abilities and explosions going off. And they'd done pretty well at um, differentiating, I feel. Like, still being able to track what's going on, but also having this the kind of on-screen mayhem that just makes you, like, laugh and scream and yell while it's all going down. Yeah, nice. Um, the Tomorrow Children. This is another, my God, the, the, the returning theme of weird fucking games. <laughs> Tomorrow Children was born out of the idea that in the lead up to the release of the PS4, uh, Sony was pushing this whole kind of social and share idea, and they wanted to turn that into a game. So they've created a city builder, a third-person city builder, where you play a clone of a little girl whose job it is to live in some sort of Soviet society (laughs) to build, to mine resources and to build a city with other players. So it's an MMO in that sense, but you only see other players when they are interacting with the environment around you and then they disappear when they're no longer interacting. So if they're running around, you won't be able to see them. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can't talk to them. So it's going to be the equivalent of Sydney's town planning. So that'll be interesting to see because it'll be garbage. Yeah. Um, how do you make a city with people that you can't talk with will be the interesting question. But at the same time, it's not just a city, like a quirky, highly stylized, and the the visuals are incredible and very distinct. Um, they've added, like, kaijus. They've added giant, <laughs> giant monsters that attack your city. And some of them might be flying monsters. So you go and buy a rocket launcher and you shoot them down and they drop these crazy gems. But then there might be this Godzilla-type one that stomps towards your city. You kill it. And once it dies, it falls over and then it becomes a mineable resource. So you can go in and mine it. (laughs) It's bizarre, man. And at the same time, there's this underground secret nation called the Freeman state or something that's apparently filled with people who aren't clones and who are free to live their lives. And there's these crazy little quirky Freeman dollars that occasionally drop and you get those and then you can go buy better stuff from this black market. 
but it's again like a lot like my feelings of No Man's Sky like I didn't feel like I had a good grasp of exactly what the game had to offer in the minimum uh, very minimal time that I had with it but I wanted to play a hell of a lot more and after chatting to the the main guy behind it he he talked about this idea of like deliberately wanting to mix server clusters because ping doesn't really come into it so he wants to mix cultures to hmm. see what like so he wants say uh australians playing with americans and europeans and you know asian server clusters and things like that so that you get this really distinct flavor of town building that's not sort of any one culture and on top of that you can upvote and downvote like you can't talk to people but you can like give someone kudos and they get more points which means they get more currency for that day but if you downvote someone enough they end up getting like arrested and locked up and you can throw fruit at them or something like (laughs) which just seems like ripe for trolling right like you just decide that this one person you don't like and you're going to downvote them and everyone's going to downvote them and then they're having the worst gameplay experience of their life why do people keep throwing oranges at me yeah what is this game is this humiliation the simulator (laughs) but uh yeah crazy quirky fucking game that that purely just on the pitch i'm interested in because i love crazy quirky shit okay nice um Drawn to Death, that's David Jaffe's new game, right? It is. Uh, he was unfortunately not there, but he did send in a video where he was his crazy self, which was a lot of fun. But um, Drawn to Death, again, a concept that I was right behind from the word go. The only problem, Luke, as a PC elitist, is that it's only coming out on PS4. What? And it's quite a little hardcore third-person shooter with all of these unique abilities, it's a free-to-play shooter exclusive to the PS4. And it's the idea is that it's a kid's high school kind of workbook, I guess, but yeah. he's drawn these sketches of these different crazy outlandish combatants. And you fight in the world that he's drawn, and he can even be used as a super weapon. So you can bring in the, the kid's hand to kind of <laughs> destroy or change something. Um, it was a lot of fun. Hmm. A lot of fun, really kind of fast-paced, um, lots of like kind of juvenile humor, so swearing, and I didn't hear it, but I imagine dick jokes. But uh, yeah, yeah, like a, a crazy kind of frantic shooter that I would love to play on PC, because that's where I love to play my shooters. But I will also give it a bash on um, on PS4. Yeah, so what's their, like, uh, their pay model? What are they going for? Uh, there wasn't anyone there to talk to about it, so uh, I do you- don't. No. Do you think it's going to be hats or? <laughs> um, no, I think people are stepping more into the um, mobile world now, aren't they? So characters probably and abilities or whatever. Yeah. Isn't that what you do in the mobile world? Like they're on free rotation for two weeks and then you fall in love with them. So when they're not, you buy them. Um, yeah, it depends on the mobile. <laughs> Dota is just purely hats, but like your league and uh, Heroes of the Storm and that sort of stuff are all. Uh, Smites is, is character based as well. Also, not that it's a super mobile, but it's a mobile shooter. Um, Dirty Bomb is like that. Yeah. So you can grind to earn them, but you would have to play a lot of hours to earn the cash to buy the new character. So it's probably more efficient to just fork out, you know, five or ten bucks, whatever it is, to to buy them. I would prefer everything to be cosmetic, but I think to be cosmetic you have to be Valve, right? You have to know that this game that you're going to churn out is going to be played by a devoted fan base who are willing to 
drop in a couple of bucks every now and then to buy a fucking hat um, <laughs> so that their characters look slightly different from everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And and I love that idea, but I, do, I don't know how practical it is for a unproven title, you know, drawn to death, which looks cool as shit and will get attention just because of how it looks and its crazy concept. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope that I hope you're right, man. I hope they go hats, but they probably will do both, I'd say. And there's so much stuff they could do because they've just got this crazy artist, obviously, who's imagining up all this weird and wonderful shit. So they could do different skins, but they could also do different abilities because that's what like really impressed me was that the fighters, even though everyone sort of seemed to move at this particularly fast speed, they all had really kind of wildly different um, special abilities. Yeah. Really kind of unique, and, and it reminded me of the, the good old golden era of first-person shooters where there was this, like, cockfight, perpetual cockfight to come up with the biggest, most badass weapons. So you would always have your pistols and your shotguns and your machine guns, and that was taken for granted. But then, you know, Doom started with something like a BFG and a chainsaw as a melee weapon. And then people started going tit for tat, and you had, like, the cerebral boar. Do you remember that from Turok? Yep, yeah, where it would just eat people's brains. Yeah, and then explode. So that, that was, like... A, a memorable fucking weapon and it seems like in recent times people have just kind of given up on creating these unique crazy memorable weapons and everyone's just content to go here's the shotgun archetype and the machine gun archetype and the flamethrower archetype and a fucking bow because everyone likes bows nowadays but like i was playing with a guy who had a special ability that was like a mortar launcher but instead of it being a mortar it was a corpse that got flung out of a, uh, a coffin. All right, sure. <laughs> and just exploded. It was amazing. Why not? It was just hilarious. Yeah. Is the um the art style, like, is it hard to see what's going on? No, surprisingly. Like, it's kind of minimalist because there's not that much in the way of color, but I think when you're starting to attack people, that's when little bits of color come out. Uh, okay. So I didn't, even though it is a bit confronting at first, it looks kind of like you've been playing too much Guitar Hero with the <laughs> highway. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that. It was easy. And actually, they had giant icons above the heads of the combatants, so you knew exactly where they were. Okay. So, yeah. No, I, I didn't get lost. Nice. Uh, should we move on? Yes. Uh, Kill Strain. Kill Strain is a has the semblance, the appearance of a Twitch stick shooter, but really it's trying to be an accessible MOBA. Whoa. I know, right? So the accessible part is the fact that it is a Twitch stick shooter and it can be played as a Twitch stick shooter, but the MOBA part is the fact that there are, I mean, I can't remember how many, probably like 10 or so, at least in what I played, different characters to choose from who are heroes who you cannot, you have to stick to the one that you've picked for the entirety of the match. Mm-hmm. And um, they have different abilities, strengths and weaknesses, and they probably work in conjunction well with certain other heroes and whatnot. But the kind of bigger point of difference that they have is that it's three teams. So it's five V two V five. So there's two human teams of five and they pick from the same roster of heroes. So there's not too much difference between them. Um, The team of two is two mutants and they have the ability to, once they incapacitate someone, they can drag them away and convert them to their team. 
Yep. So that was an interesting mechanic and made the um, mutants fucking scary. Also, there's kind of like this creep. I think that's the right term. So yep. like, yeah. Creep. So it's like this creep mechanic where they can throw these kind of like creep grenades that means that it grows these weird and wonderful uh, environmental hazards that the humans need to collect these kind of science grenades that they throw and it clears the creep, right? But anytime a monster or a mutant is in the creep, they're invisible. I okay. guess they're doing something. So you can't see them until they start attacking or until they come out of the creep. So there's lots of ambushing opportunities. And what makes it cool is that if you get converted, it's not like game over, you're a loser. Everyone, even though you're working as a team, everyone is competing to be at the top of the ladder because top of the ladder, it's a single ladder as well, top of the ladder earns you the most uh, points, which earns you the most currency. Yeah. So there's also within the team-based logic, there's this, I'm kind of lone wolfing, and if this person's doing better than me, I probably don't want to help them too much, or maybe I'll let myself get turned early so that I can start picking on this one guy who keeps hanging around the back. So there's like lots of nice kind of subtle ways to betray your team. <laughs> and I imagine that listening into the voice comms on this game will be particularly hectic. Yeah. But, um, it, you know, it was an early version of the game, so it had some pretty massive frame rate problems from what I played, but the potential was there. As someone who was petrified of MOBAs, um, because they just look sort of insane in terms of like requisite knowledge to be able to even feel like you're playing the game properly, uh, or to feel like you're contributing to your team, I should say, more accurately. The idea that it's just at its core is a twin-stick shooter, and I know how to play a twin-stick shooter. Yeah. Everyone knows how to play a twin stick shooter. I think that that's a, a nice little way to entice um, people like me to go and try it out. And it's also people who maybe have mobile fatigue. I don't know. I mean, you're a mobile lover, so or a specific mobile lover. Does that concept sound like it would appeal to you? No. <laughs> the <laughs> no. end. Um, yeah, it's probably a bit too simple for my liking, I think. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, that's that. Sony, <laughs> but you should you should jump onto um like Heroes of the Storm and give that a crack. I did at an event and I got wailed on. Yeah, no, you should jump in with like Job and I at one stage and we'll just play a couple games. It's I feel like it's something you need to learn. <laughs> Why? I don't like mobas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing, right? Is that everyone's going that direction these days? You need to kind of get a grasp on it. No, oh, I can read a wiki page. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Assholes. No, you're right, I should, but I just I just like shooters, man. I love shooters and strategy titles. Yeah. And um like the Heroes of the Storm is good because it's it's quite simple and uh the matches are quick. Um and there's a variety in the camp like the, the modes that they've got. Every kind of map has got its own little thing that it does. Um whereas League and Dota are pretty much just one team versus another who can dethrone each other first. Right. Um, so yeah, heroes has objectives, and sorry, we're not allowed to call it heroes, are we? Hots. No, <laughs> no let's call it hots. Yeah. Uh, they don't like us calling it hots, but we'll call it hots. They want us to call it heroes. Get fucked. <laughs> so yeah, like hots has the yeah the each map has its own little uh, type of objective based thing you need to do, which is kind of unique and fun. You should jump on it one day. We'll, yeah, we'll have a crack. I'm sure Blizzard would love it if I did that. Yeah, they probably would. Um, what's Dino Dini's kick- Dino Dini's kickoff revival? Revival? 
What the yeah. fuck? Yeah, that's a uh, a soccer game or a football game. If you About remember. dinosaurs? No, no, that's just the guy's name. Apparently, the guy's name has gravitas. I'd never heard of him. Apologies, you know, Jenny. And for you to have heard of him or know his games, either you are a big fan of old school games or you played his games about 20 years ago literally 20 years ago um he's decided to come back into making football games to come back from extinction yeah pretty much we it's said a that- fucking dinosaur game what are you- <laughs> it should be that's like when i saw this game on the list i'm like dick dino dino like is this like a like remember that old game prehistoric yeah it's exactly where my brain went, and I got really excited. And then I researched, and I discovered it was a football game, and I was less excited. But um, he doesn't want to name names, as in he won't name the other games that he's not happy with, but you can probably guess what they are. He doesn't like that football games have become more about the spectacle and less about the individual player's skill. So he wants to return to skill-based um, soccer games, basically, so this game's built in Unity, so it looks like balls, and I mean that as in like it doesn't look particularly attractive. Uh, but that doesn't matter because it's ridiculously easy to pick up in that it has one joystick and one button, and that's it. But within that, within the depth of that, just through subtleties of holding a button for longer or not pressing the joystick in as far or flicking the joystick when you press the button, you can do a pretty much... Almost everything, as far as I'm aware, that you could do in um, those other games mm-hmm. that should not be named. And uh, it's yeah, it was fun as a as a first timer. It has a top down perspective, which is really fucking weird. It makes it feel super old school. But he doesn't want to change that. Yeah, he, he might add different views, but to him, that's it. Like that's the default one. Uh, and the reason why, and you know, you can't argue with the logic, even if it does still feel weird that you don't have that pseudo broadcast view. The logic is that you know, there's proper, easy to understand. The directional controls are just exactly what you want, ex- want and expect them to be, without the weirdness of the camera angle being slightly off. So mm-hmm. what you think might be diagonal in a certain direction might not be as much as you think it is because of the perspective. So it certainly works from that uh, point of view. and it's fast man it's very very fast uh and so yeah it felt kind of frantic but you know having watched some other people play and people who kind of are familiar with football games or at least were familiar with his football games they were starting to get into the nitty-gritty of the more nuanced approach and having a lot more satisfying games and the kind of fast-paced action experience. But at the same time, you can still play this as a really kind of arcade game, but the suggestion is that there's quite a lot of depth there. And he was saying that his older games are still played. Apparently, every year there's a tournament for one of his kickoff games. So so um, if you're a fan of old-school soccer games or you played his games in the past, it'll doubtlessly be exciting to you if you're not. I would be very interested to like hear what like a Jung or a Joby thinks after playing it. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> the guy hasn't made a game in 20 years, from what I can see. Yes, correct. That is correct. <laughs> he tried to make a kickoff revival game twice, but apparently the publishers that he was working with at the time ran out of money. Both instances. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see. Like these these. 
people that he's getting in, they're not licensed teams, are they? It's just made up stuff or? No, yeah, he doesn't want anything to do with that. He doesn't want anything to do with like license bullshit. He just wants it to be about the gameplay, which obviously makes it a lot easier for him to make as an independent game developer. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I kind of like this idea of saying it needs to be less about the spectacle because I mean, like, I'm not, don't pretend to be a massive FIFA player nerd or Pez for that matter, but my understanding is that there are certain teams that you pick and you pick those teams because they have certain players that have the best stats that influence the likelihood of them being able to score goals, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, so playing a game where it's less about, oh, we've got to get it to this superstar and more about like kind of any of my players on the field is basically the same as everyone else. So I have even footing regardless of what color team I've picked. I like that idea from a, a kind of, cause I, I used to love sports games, man, back, um, back in mega drive days. Yep. You know, that, that literally that idea of the pickup play arcade game. Like I used to play the shit out of FIFA. Yep. I used to play was, a lot of FIFA, a lot of Madden, a lot of, uh, yeah. NHL. Rugby games, NHL, cricket games, just it was just arcade fun. And yeah, you, you weren't bogged down with this massive emphasis on realism or, you know, oh, we've added this many stadiums and we've added this ability to do a celebration. Who gives a shit? Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's about the core gameplay. And I feel like it's gone almost to this hardcore point of view. And even though you can still play it in a kind of arcade kind of way, the FIFA game I'm talking about specifically here, I, I just don't find it as rewarding as an arcade game as it used to be back when they just cared about like fun more than precision control and super realistic physics and all that stuff. Yeah, that's fair enough. So, yeah, if that appeals to you, give it a crack. <laughs> so there's definitely no dinosaurs in the game. Definitely. Well, I don't oh, know. Yeah. Ask Ubisoft, but no, no dinosaurs. <laughs> no dinosaurs. Here, the, they've got plenty of bow and arrows. So. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, all right, Tricky Towers. Tricky Towers is pitched as Tetris meets Jenga. That is actually kind of the perfect pitch. You can play it by yourself, but really, if you're playing it by yourself, you're probably just training for the main event, which is up to four players, single screen, competitive mode, where the goal is it's think about tetris Mm -hmm. it is uh the randomized pieces dropping from the sky except instead of trying to form lines that then disappear so you can get points um you're actually trying to create a tower out of these odd shaped pieces where there's a physics engine and if you want to fuck with people which will be the greatest drinking game ever you push the difficulty up to a certain level where it means that there's all this crazy sporadic wind coming in that like will knock your fucking tower over <laughs> so you're racing you you play as these little mario looking wizards floating on a cloud i know that sounds really random and uh you're basically trying to build your tower to a floating finish line in the sky before anyone else can but along the way there's these incremental points where if you get your tower to a certain point you will get a randomized ability that you can choose to activate as a positive something that will help you to build your tower or a fuck everyone else ability which was obviously what i resorted to most frequently (laughs) and it was like for a game that's clearly targeted at that kind of all ages demographic incredibly easy to pick up and, and get your head around the mechanics but i can 
kind of in the way that we've played a lot of duck game and uh what's the other one gang beasts yeah it's like that sort of idea like the kind of game where you're like right this is the button this, this is what you got to do and i can just see a shitload of people drinking and playing this game and having a lot of fun that's cool that's uh, tricky towers tricky towers it's got a cool name i like it yeah tricky towers tricky towers <laughs> <laughs> uh, stories of the no wait that's not right <laughs> St- stories and then there's like this is the the byline the path of the destinies what is it <laughs> stories the path of destinies um they changed the title from the hidden path or something i think there was someone else had a game called that and got upset so i always kept forgetting the subtitle which is why i wrote it down otherwise you're just calling it stories and if you go googling for fucking stories game well, you're not going to find this game so stories the path of destiny is a destinies there's more than one Oh, yes, apologies. Actually, that is very important to the game because apparently there's 45 different stories within it and it's kind of a highbrow cell in how the narrative works. You play as this Fox McCloud style adventurer. Literally, you are a fox head on human form um, running around, kind of adventuring through the world. And you're also telling the story of what you've what you're playing and you'll get to the end of little bits of story and it'll kind of do this prince of persia rewind not that you have control over it from my understanding and i didn't get to experience this mechanic so i'm just trying to re-explain it as best as i can but you'll realize that that wasn't the right path like that wasn't the true story so you have to go back or you have to go to a different place to kind of find the right outcome and there's only one outcome where you come out of the story alive mm-hmm. out of 45 so there's a possibility that you could get it you could fluke it in say 10 stories or something but more likely than not you're going to try to make these decisions to get to that ending and end up ending with you know you dying or the person you're trying to save dying or them killing you and betraying you and it sounds really interesting but like at its core it's kind of like this i guess zeldery um arkham arkham knight not arkham knight arkham asylum type game it's like that that free flow combat system yeah yeah. except that when you let go of the buttons in between moves, it actually will just slow down time automatically. So you can do this crazy free-flowing combat if you back yourself to do that, or you can do this super stylish, or if you're learning to fight for the first time, you just kind of let go of everything, and it'll slow down to the point where you can just wait for them to go to hit and do the counter, and then there's you know RPG-style upgrades within that and different swords that you can craft and use to kill different enemies and whatnot. And it looks like a lot of fun really kind of stylized look it was not at all on my radar i had no idea what it was and now i've got an early access code so i can play a little bit more of it um they're making that one for ps4 but they're also currently optimizing it for pc they're like we've just dedicated a couple of months to getting the controls right (laughs) even though they're like just play on a controller which is like nothing wrong with that but they're like yeah we want to get the keyboard mouse stuff right too okay awesome yeah, so check it out. It's not on Steam right now, so you're going to have to Google that full title. Um, Stories, The Path of Destinies. Yes, to, to find it, but very cool developer and, uh, yeah, a game that I'm very interested to play more of. And I think it's the kind of game that you can, you know, kind of pass the controller back and forth and play with someone and then try to debate about, oh, which ending should we go for? Do you think this one will lead to the real ending and, and whatnot? Okay, cool. Um, Headlander. 
Headlander is a weird as fuck game. Uh, so is the name. Yeah, it's from Double Fine, and oh. they wanted to create a game that has the look of retro sci-fi, so all those 1970s science fiction, super light, I mean, this is before Star Wars, mind you, um, super light-looking fluoro shit, and it's a 2.5D action side-scroller adventure game where you're in a universe filled exclusively with robots and you are the only human left alive except you're not really a human you're a disembodied floating head um and you can control the head to get on the bodies of the robots to solve different puzzles and get into combat and you unlock an ability in the first level to suck their heads off which sounds incredibly (laughs) gross but yes you can (laughs) suck their heads off but before that you have to shoot them off and to get on their bodies to use their weapons and it's fucking weird as shit but it's it's quirky and it's fun and it's the kind of platformer that I can definitely see myself playing through okay I have no idea what you just said <laughs> good good no check it out Headlander yeah have, have, a, have a look at it um, watch a trailer or something and you'll be like oh, okay that makes sense even though it, it will make no sense because it's this weird weird fucking drug tripping idea <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Foul Play, what is this? This sounds like a party game. I'm just Foul Play guessing. is a... This wasn't part of the PSN thing. We're now into the, the territory of me... Uh, what you've played. ...having played a lot of random games because I was flying a lot. I've recently fired up my uh, Vita again. And this game has been out for a while, I understand, but it was recently ported to the Vita. And it's, it's kind of a fun game to play. But it's uh, the... Idea is it's a 2D side-scrolling brawler like the old um, Final Fight-style game, which I used to adore. Uh, but its its hook is, apart from its cute little graphics, is that it's you're reenacting the adventures of this particularly amazing adventure man fighter mm. uh, on a stage, and the the whole core mechanic is to keep the crowd interest as high as possible to earn the most experience and whatnot. So you're literally performing on a stage where they've got these tacky sets of ancient Egypt and you're fighting these guys and the crowd will cheer and boo and woo um, when you get your combo multiplier high. Uh, it's kind of fun. It's, it's really simple, but yeah, it's, um, it's a kind of fun game that if you missed... Uh, and you like the idea of we can play it cooperatively as well. Um, you like the idea of a co-op brawler or, or a solo brawler. Uh, definitely have a look at it on Steam, or if you're looking for a reason to fire up your Vita, it's it's pretty cool. It's very cool on the Vita, actually. Yeah, okay. Uh, if anyone can find theirs, that's helpful. <laughs> I have mine in my travel drawer because that's the only time it comes out. Yeah, yeah, I've got mine somewhere as well in, in that sort of space. <laughs> but, like... Every trip up until recently, I've taken it with me and I basically never played it. I just have it in case I want to play something. Hmm. But now I'm like, you know what? No, I should be playing more uh, handheld games. I took my 3DS as well when I didn't end up playing anything like that. Oh, no, I did. I lied. I played um, Star Fox. Oh, God. No, it's not at the list. It's old. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay. And it, it was fun. And it, and it made me look forward to uh, Star Fox Zero, which is coming out later this year. Yeah. I was always a big Star Fox fan. So why is Bastion on here then? Because I was playing that as well. All right, that's old. 
Yeah, well, let's not talk about it. I was just playing that on Vita. It was one of those games, again, well, not like Foul Play. I'd never heard of Foul Play, but there was such an amazing rap about Bastion, and I had it I had it on Steam, and I never played it. I'm like, I don't really want to play this with a keyboard mouse. I don't have my Xbox 360 plugged in anymore to play it on that. So I ended up buying it on the Vita for like 15 bucks or something, and yeah. it was just kind of like the perfect little place to play that, and I played a couple of hours of it. I'm like, this is a legitimately you know fun little adventure game. It's a bit hard to see when shit gets hectic okay. on smaller Vita screen, but in terms of a, an action platformer game that holds up and that charming narrator guy, uh, yeah, it's still good. It's still yeah. good. Yeah, that was a really good game. I liked that one when it came out. I think I reviewed it. Yeah, I did. Um, all right. Uh, what else is there? Homeworld. Still playing Homeworld. I wanted to finish it. I don't know about you, man, but I get into this bad habit of playing like half or three quarters of the way through a game that I really enjoy, and then I get distracted by every fucking other thing that comes out. Yeah. And I never finish it. And I have this kind of digital guilt pile in my Steam library where I leave games installed, and I'm not allowed to delete them until I finish them. Okay. So... Homeworld, as in the remastered edition, is sitting there because I started that and never finished it. And I'd never finished it when I was a kid, so I feel bad about that because it's such, like, especially the first one, such an amazing and and punishing RTS. Um, And I don't understand how other RTS games didn't explore the idea of proper, true 3D space combat. I mean, later this month, there's a game coming out called Battlefleet gothic i want to say it's a um warhammer game rts set in space looks awesome but i'm heavily heavily assuming that it'll be that kind of space rts that still treats it as if you're flying on a 2d plane yeah but third dimension doesn't come into it at all which doesn't mean that the game will be shit it just means that it's like a missed opportunity in my opinion and i think that homeworld didn't do it perfectly either so i think that that could have um could have been improved upon basically anyways deserts of karak uh, I just wanted to finish it. I Not like I particularly enjoyed the story or whatever, but I was about close to three quarters of the way through it uh, when I stopped playing Got Distracted. And I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go back and I'm going to finish it. And it felt a bit like Return of the King in that it like seemed to have like three levels, I think, that I thought was the last level and wasn't the last level. But it was that game that if you had that homeworld knowledge being that uh, you don't complete the last objective or specifically in the old homeworld games you used to be able to select when you wanted to jump out so you'd go and mine all of the resources you'd repair all of your ships and whatnot you might even build some more ships knowing that you're going to jump into a place where you might need to fight straight away so you mine as many resources possible to go into the next map because everything carried over the units that you had carried over and the resources carried over so it's the same thing in the prequel game so i was doing a lot of that which was spending a lot of kind of boring time to be honest just making sure that there was no more resources except the difference being that if you go and complete the last objective and you don't know what that is by the way until you've played through once uh it would automatically kick you to the next level and you're just like fuck so i got pretty paranoid with saving yeah <laughs> but then towards the end i was just like i just stopped caring about my fleet even though um their veterancy was quite high on certain things i just started killing them off because i was just like i just kind of want to get to the end of this so i can delete it not because i wasn't enjoying it or whatever i just was sort of like i'm kind of done with this and i want to move on yeah yeah and it, and it became harder but easier like harder in that more aggressive enemies 
uh, and they were coming at you uh, like a lot more in bigger groups and from different directions. So that became quite satisfying, but also easier in that I'd already, I'd hoarded so many resources and I'd, you know, got the veterinary up on some of my bigger damage dealers that there wasn't really that much of a threat. And also you started to use the carrier as like an offensive option and you would just like has this cool little power system where you can boost certain parts of it and if you boost them too far it'll overheat and it'll take damage so you kind of have to do this balance but as soon as you found that out you would like boost the repair thing after you had an attack so you could repair everything and then you'd immediately boost the range of its sensor scanner so you could see when they were coming and then you'd boost the weapons so when they came close they were getting hit by a five missile barrage so you became really kind of overpowered yeah. towards the end which is that hard thing of like how do you um, provide a were we talking about this earlier uh, I don't think it was us alright it was someone else I just was having this deja vu thing I'm like my god I hope I'm not repeating what I was talking <laughs> about anyways no I, it was Drew I was talking to apologies um, yeah it's, it's like how do you provide that satisfying end of game feeling that you have this awesome army and these uh, tactical knowledge and you've unlocked everything you still feel challenged. Yeah. And I, I, I think I'm maybe on a harder difficulty. I would have been able to do that. But from what I've read online, a lot of the bigger criticisms revolve around this idea that it, it wasn't particularly a challenging game. And, and certainly through my playthrough, or being on, it was on normal, I didn't find it to be super duper hard. Yeah, okay. That's uh, disappointing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, moving on. To Street Fighter. Five. I just played the first uh, twenty minutes, and Same. I've always felt that I should be better at Street Fighter. I grew up playing Street Fighter on fucking PC, mind you. This was before the days you could plug in a controller as well. So yeah, you, I played on PC as well. With a keyboard, right? So with a keyboard, like yeah. <laughs> quarter circles with the fucking arrow keys, and I think I'm pretty sure we used to play versus as well. We did. So you got two people on a keyboard. Yeah, two people on one keyboard on one on each side. Yeah, and it was like crazy. And if you hit too many keys at once, like it won't It'd lock up. You yeah. put your command, and it was a nightmare. And I had a lot of fun with uh, those older Street Fighter games, uh, and then sort of never really got into the kind of arcade things. Or when they went to to console, and when Street Fighter Four came out, and I just bought a PS3, I was like, you know what? This is the point. This is the point where I get back into Street Fighter. And I remember trying to play through the story or whatever on easy. No, I think I started on normal, and then I had to bump it down to easy. And I was getting annihilated about halfway through, and I'm like, this is just bad for my self-esteem. So so I stopped playing. Um, and I was talking to Zarine from GameSpot, actually, about Street Fighter and how I was like, I really want to get into Street Fighter Five, but told her that story, and she's like, oh, you're, this is like been designed with a whole lot of training in mind and a shallow learning curve and from what i played in the first 20 minutes she's absolutely right like it starts off even before you get to a menu it, it throws you straight into the bare bolts tutorial i'm talking like how to move left mm. and right how to jump and while that you know even for me is a bit like oh really yeah uh, it's good. It's good that they're actually trying to say, yes, this is kind of like a hardcore head-to-head -head fighter, but we actually want people to try it. We want people to come in and experience it, whether it's on a lower difficulty or against an easy computer opponent or something, um, and, and to kind of get that confidence and that skill level up so that they can 
you know, I'm, I'm assuming find tomorrow's Street Fighter champions from someone who never really knew that they love Street Fighter. Like, I love that idea. Yeah, yeah, that's where they need to go at, right? They can't keep just playing to the same people that buy it every every year. <laughs> but that's like the, the, the problem of any head-to-head Mortal Kombat people. I remember talking to them about the same thing, like how much do you make it for your competitive scene, which is obviously very important, and, and having the, the kudos to be involved in a, an eSports scene where your game is considered to be a good enough fighter that people actually want to compete at that level but that also gives you all this amazing exposure long after your games are launched so there's constant reminders of mortal kombat or in this case street fighter Uh, but at the same time it's like if you make it too much for those people like you said you're not making it for the the people who might be interested in playing it but consider it to be too hardcore Hmm. yeah it's a weird balance right yeah, so I'm I'm definitely going to play through the campaign. I'm I'm going to even try. I think my hand at going online once I feel a, a confident enough with a particular fighter or two, um, and do some head-to-head stuff because I, I would love to think that this can get me back into head-to-head fighting games. Man, I put I don't know 50, 60 hours into Killer Instinct Gold. Okay, like, I was obsessed with that game. Which um, goal is that? The original one. Nah, 64 version. Yeah, sorry. The SNES was the original game, and that was all right. I played a bit of that. But when Gold came out, I don't know why. I didn't even own a 64. I used to walk down the street and play on my mates. And we played the shit out of that game. And I'm talking like getting to the stage where you were doing 64-hit manual combos. Like, it was hardcore. I remember the soundtrack that they had with that game. It was great, wasn't it? So fucking good. (laughs) That skeleton, man. Yeah, he was a prick fighter. Yeah, he is an awesome. It was like it was like a fighting game where, for me at least, it wasn't about oh, I'll just use that one fighter. Like I actually really enjoyed most of them. I thought that they all kind of brought something different to the table. Mm. Yeah, uh, I'm not too much a fighting person, so. Well, I'd like to think I was growing up, but uh, no, I'm shit. <laughs> Once you play other people, you realize you're never going to be good at those games. No, but like in the same breath, like if you can still like go over to someone's house, get thrown a controller, and get told a couple of basic moves, and and feel like you're a contender, I think that that's kind of what I want out of a fighting game. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I guess kind of like when Mortal Kombat, the last one, not the X, the ninth one came out, uh, that sort of revived everybody back into those types of games, which is good. How about Deadless Warrior? How good was that? Yeah, it was pretty good as well. The yeah. one hit kill button, like. Yeah. It was the yeah it was like this is the only button you need to know because you're getting wailed on <laughs> press it or or you'd start a round and someone would lead with it yeah so good that game was amazing fun yeah it's pretty good um all right hell divers you've you've been playing this this is a, a free to free game on the playstation posting for this month right yeah so i downloaded it ahead of time because i'd heard a lot of people raving about it way back when and i downloaded it on the vita to play and i played probably about an hour or two on the vita and i'm like hey this is fun and then for whatever reason i decided to get it on a ps4 and play with my girlfriend who's you know she's not the most hardcore of gamers but i'm like it's probably not a good idea considering that it has like friendly fire and you know it's got some pretty intricate mechanics as well um but it was like quite a lot of fun i mean we're still uh very much 
on the very easy planets, and even the ones classified as easy are still tricky with two players trying to figure stuff out and, and get a rhythm going. But I had a lot of fun with it, and I like I really want to try it with four people. Um, and I think it's one of those games where even though you could do it online, you could communicate like you really like need to be able to react so quickly to stuff that it's almost essential. I think that you're in the same fucking room, like on the couch together, calling out shit. Cause like, it's got a, have you played it? No, not yet. I've, got, I've downloaded it, but uh, yeah, I'm glad. We should give it a bash, man. It's it's got a duck mechanic. Like you can you can hit the dirt, and and it sounds really kind of ridiculous, but it's helpful if you've been you know if you're getting overrun, for instance, and you need to reload because you need to reload, and if you reload, you lose whatever bullets are in the magazine, so you go through this kind of anxious stage of like do I reload when I've got half a clip because there might be shitload of them coming around the corner or do I hang on to it because I might run out of ammo? Like, it's really cool. But you can drop turrets and while the turrets uh, won't target you, they will fucking shoot through you if there's an enemy on the other side of you. Mm-hmm. So there's like times where it's like this turret drops and then you just see these dudes rush and I'm just like, fucking hit the deck. And it's like both dive on the ground and this massive minigun just opens up and chews through it's really really fun but also super super hectic and like the the cool thing about it is that they've kind of like thought uh quite deeply i feel into how they can make the mechanics like the simple stuff challenging uh and satisfying and still kind of make sense and not feel like they're artificially inflating difficulty so anytime you want to call in a turret or ammo or whatever you hold down uh, l1 and then you have to put in input a code like a d-pad code yeah d-pad code doesn't change so it's not like a complete quick time event bullshit but you know when your buddy's holding off a group of enemies while you're trying to call in a turret or you're about to run out of ammo so you're trying to call in ammo and you're like you've forgotten the input code and you fuck it up like it, it just adds to the utter crazy intensity of it all and then on top of that you can actually get killed by basically everything. So I stupidly got crushed by my own ammo drop before. <laughs> like just running over at the wrong time. It's got a timer up the top. You're never looking up the top. So it, it's it's frantic, crazy, that kind of like co-op game where you're always yelling at each other, but like not in a negative way, that like because there's just so much shit going on that you just like, I need to be as efficient and loud as possible to convey this idea as quickly yeah. as possible. And you get to the end, and if you fucking pull it off, you're just like, that was insane. It's like 80s action film high fives and shit. And that's on very easy levels because they get hard. And easy levels... It's they've got a really prickish rating system for their stuff, so they make you feel really bad. Because when I say easy, it wasn't just that you know we weren't necessarily the best at this game, and there was only two of us. It was easy was like there was still like twenty or thirty relentless fucking aliens coming at us all the time from different directions, and we're trying not to shoot each other because you can shoot each other as well, um, run into each other's lines of sight and communicate and also complete objectives at the same time. It's just frantic. Yeah, okay. Sounds pretty cool. We should give it a bash one time. Should absolutely give it a bash. I'm pretty sure Joby's downloaded it as well. Yeah, when he gets back. Let's do it. Sweet. Um, Far Cry Primal, you've only played half an hour. Yeah, on PC. <laughs> Have you played it on PC yet? Uh, no, they sent me a copy on PlayStation. How is it on PlayStation? I know you've probably touched on this before. Um, yeah, like I don't mind it. It it it's it's fine. It, it runs it fine, look? right? 
Yeah, it looks really good. Fucking hell. Okay. Does it look uh, shifty or something? No, 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 no. It looks um, pretty phenomenal, to be honest, in what I've seen. Like, the character models particularly. Um, I'm a bit upset about what I've determined to be a lack of optimization. I mean, I've got a 980. Is it still okay for me to expect that I should be able to run everything on Ultra? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. Like, we're not going to be able to run the Division, right? No, no, that's true. And I guess this is an open-world game. Um, I think it looks a lot. Far Cry Four looked really pretty, um, and this one I think ups it a little bit. Um, they do some really cool stuff with the lighting at, at night, in particular, um, and I think there's more foliage going around the place. Uh, the trees are much more dense and thicker, so uh, it, it's hard to compare without actually going through and doing like a walkthrough of each one but going back to my memory <laughs> um yeah i feel like this has a lot more going in it yeah i'd agree with that i thought far cry 4 was pretty pretty damn good looking until dying light came out and i was like far cry what like dying light was stunning and once they patched it pretty well optimized too yeah. um at least for my pc and far cry 4 i like Put everything and bumped everything up and then ran it through the tech demo i'm like fucking that's gorgeous played the opening i'm like this is legitimately yeah a very sexy game at least in terms of the the character models i, I i'm specifically asking about the ps4 version because i watched uh an ign review by luke riley and he singled out water effects and fires looking pretty garbage and the examples that he showed at least in the video i agreed but the water effects and the fire on the PC version looks really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't spent too much time in the water, but I think the fire looks okay for what it does. You, you know, you, I, I light shit on fire and off it goes. You know, it's got that propagation thing where, um, you know, you hit a tree and off it, it'll just set everything around you on fire, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, you know, at that stage, I'm not really paying too much attention to what it looks like, more or less, just how the fuck do I get out of here without dying? Uh, yeah, but because I haven't seen it running on a on a PC, I don't have much of a comparison. But I think it looks fine on PlayStation. Yeah, I played it on PlayStation overseas. I'm pretty sure, and I'm like, this is you know, this is an attractive game. It's certainly not like one of those examples where you play a game and you're like, fuck me, this looks last gen. Yeah, looks like garbage now. Yeah. Um. So, what do you think of it so far? <laughs> I'm digging it, but not like in the way that I've dug open world games in the past where I keep feeling the pull to go back. I'm just, I'm just like massive multiplayer junkie lately. Uh, Battlefront, Siege, and really just craving that competitive shooter experience. And I, I was always a bit worried that I wouldn't like the lack of ballistics in this game. And while you've got a bow and whatnot, you can throw a spear, which I think is kind of cool and obviously contextually relevant. Yeah. I just don't know what sort of longevity it'll have for me uh, without the guns. Yeah. See, for me, I talked about this last week. Uh, when I played Far Cry, and well, the last two Far Cries pretty much, um, I wasn't much of a gun person. I'd go in with a bow and arrow or I'd stealth it. So for me, it's um, it's not too much of a big change. Yeah, no, I, I'm ironically the same way. Like, I would prefer to use the higher skill options. But then when the shit hit the fan, it was always good to pull out a fucking LMG with a hundred rounds and just go to town, you know? Yeah. And that's where it becomes challenging. Once you kind of break that stealth, um, you have to resort to either 
looping around and going back behind people or being very accurate. The same goes for like trying to take out the animals within the game. Uh, it's much harder than than the last couple of games because you could just pull out your machine gun and just go to town on a lion, but you can't do that anymore. You've got to like really pay attention and be accurate, and you know you got to hit them a couple times with a spear before they go down. So, um, I think it's a lot more challenging in terms of hunting with this one. Yeah, I think that um, I hope it's a kind of game that I'll, I will want to go back to uh, and, and sort of play more when I'm feeling that that single player fix. But yeah, I've just been in the mood for multi lately, and I haven't had that sort of dedicated gaming time that hasn't been put towards like something that I'm reviewing or whatever. So when I've had like an hour spare or two hours, I'm like, you know what, I really crave multi or finishing Homeworld bizarrely over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, what else is here? Uh, Gears of War Ultimate Edition. This is the PC version, right? Yeah, again, I've only played the first 20 minutes uh, just to see how <laughs> it runs, and it, it looks shit hot, and it runs beautifully on um, Ultra. And uh, the, the weirdest parts was just downloading it and dealing with that fucking Windows Store, man. Oh, yeah, okay. How was that? It was... Like having to Google how to find where to inst- like I want to install games to my D drive because I'm stupid and I only have a 256 gig SSD. And, yeah. You know, a perfect world. I would love to install any game that I am currently playing on an SSD, but when that game is 56 motherfucking gigabytes, and I only realised it was installing to the C drive when I got a notification saying that I was running out of hard drive space, so I had to cancel and restart about 20 gig in. Yep. Anyways, thank God for unlimited downloads. Um, I found out how to do that, and it's a bit of a convoluted process, but installed it to the D drive, left it on overnight to download, because, I mean, that's like a 10, 11-hour download for me. Um, Yeah, and fired it up. It strangely took a long time to load the first time. Um, And just, I'm talking like, the game was just not starting. It was in Windows, I'd clicked, I was waiting, I was waiting, I was waiting. But um, once it got in... Uh, yeah, it looks great, and I'm loving the fact that I can pull off headshots a lot easier, so I started fucking around with the higher difficulty level, but that's quite tricky, and I'm be very interested to see how well I go online. I imagine that I'm going to get my ass handed to me. Uh, is it the original one, or is it all three? So it's the original game, in terms of the campaign, I believe it's had some extra content added to it, so I'm actually fully keen to play through the whole thing again, uh, and I'm actually reviewing it as well, so I will be doing that. But in terms of the multiplayer, what they've done is they've added some of the modes and uh, the features from 2 and 3, I believe, that got oh, okay. improved as the series went along to make it kind of like an ultimate edition, I guess, in terms of multiplayer. It's yeah. yeah, even though you're still playing through the maps and whatnot from the first game. But I played it on Xbox One when it came out, and it sounds weird. Well, maybe it doesn't sound weird because we're PC guys, but the the double frame rate kind of thing, going from 30 to 60, hmm. I always found that Gears, even though it had certainly had pace to it, it was just kind of felt slower and a bit more tactical. Yeah. At 60 frames, it feels like a fucking fast game, man, and that's exactly how these matches were playing out and it was lots of just corner dodging to do blind fire shotgun kills and I wasn't very good at it And it, but it was the kind of game where I was like I wish that I was better at this because I imagine that there was an immense amount of satisfaction to be found in yeah. competing against these higher skilled players 
in a game like this. So on PC, at least, I'll be able to aim. So that will help to level it somewhat. But because everyone else will be able to aim as well, it's going to be like, okay, well, let's see um, what the caliber of players are like. Because the original Gears of War was actually released on PC back when Games Windows Live was a thing. Yeah. And uh, so but that was, but none, nothing else was. Two and three weren't. No. So, and there seems to be a suggestion that Gears of War 4 will be on PC as well. I feel like it will be. That's apparently going to be the Game Informer cover tomorrow. Um, and I think they'll probably talk about PC for that. It, it doesn't, like, it doesn't make much sense for them to release this Ultimate Edition just for fucking fun. It seems like they're testing the water to make sure things go good. Um, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from. It's 12 as well, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And TX12 is, like, amazing. Um, and I've only seen it in tests and whatnot, so I haven't actually had a practical experience with it until now, as long as it is, assuming it is TX12. But, like, as far as an API goes, like, it shits all over DX11, and it's it's much more uh, efficient with the hardware to the point where you can push it further, make it look better, and it somehow has a lower entry. So they've done all the right things to create something that will look better and run better on current hardware. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to DX12. And there's all these suggestions that games that look shit hot right now, like uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, will eventually have DX12 support. Mm -hmm. Someone found that within some update file searching. Uh, And that would be great because it would be good to do a performance comparison for these existing games between DX11 and DX12 where it's on offer but no definitely looking forward to that I've, i was a big fan of the gears franchise yeah. uh, from the beginning and particularly the the gameplay loop obviously the third person cover shooter it is still to this day i think the standard for those mechanics and probably to be fair makes me enjoy uncharted less than the average person because i don't like how they just haven't completely ripped it off wholesale um because I always felt like it was just a shitter version of Gears, mm-hmm. even though it was still pretty close to what it was. Yeah, I was just like, it just, like the gun, everything felt bigger and better in Gears. Like the guns, the feedback from the guns was just satisfying as yeah. fuck. And you had that active reload and you would fucking nail it. And then, yes! Yeah, and you pretty much had to on high difficulty levels or in the horde modes. Like you you had to nail the active reload to get the damage boost on the weapons to, to slow down that one guy who was like in the later games coming at you with the shield and the explosive. Remember the chain little bomby knocker thing? Yeah, yeah. Like you had to, and you had to land headshots. And obviously as a... PC guy who tries to play console shooters like I'm on a PC, which is the worst way to do it because if you can't fucking aim, you shouldn't play like I play. Um, <laughs> but the ability to be able to do that now with a mouse and like pull off headshots and whatnot is um, means that I'll be using some of the weapons that I would have actively avoided on the console because I just didn't have the accuracy. Yeah, and that's kind of going into the like with the division. Um, the majority of games that I play in on the PC that are third-person shooters. Um, I'll play with a control pad, but a game like The Division, I feel like I need to use a mouse and keyboard. You've got to pull off the headshot, so don't you? Yeah, like, you do. Especially with a game that has such a big emphasis on high time to kill that is identified first as an RPG, at least in terms of the damage that is dealt or lack thereof. Um, yeah, I I agree. Like I, I used to be very dubious of it, but I've recently kind of really bought into the idea of playing third-person games with a controller. But if it requires any sort of accurate sorry accuracy for success then 
I'm going to use a keyboard and mouse. Yeah, and I, I like that they've gone in and and um, like changed the UI for the PC version and made it more friendly with the keyboard as well. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, they they went out of their way when I visited um, for that hands-on event earlier this year. Was it last year? Earlier this year, um, they went out of their way to say that we we don't want to call it a port. And I think from what I saw and what I played and what you've played now, um, that they went a long way to showing that they were treating it as a proper stand, like it's its own version and it certainly is the best looking version of the game it's just on ultra settings it looks pretty phenomenal compared to uh, the Xbox and well I mean so the Xbox version assumedly yeah. the PS4 version because it's pretty ambitious in what they're trying to achieve um, visually yep alright next one uh, is there more? yeah there's more uh, I'll talk about Overwatch um, you were talking before about like games with shitty tutorials Yes. Overwatch has a shitty tutorial. It does. I only played the last round of the closed sucks, beta. Man. I don't know if they've changed it at all since then, but yeah, it was If not they have, it's still idea. shit. <laughs> oh my gosh, it goes for like fucking ever. Um, and the first thing is it does is like, oh, look up at the sky. Uh, and then you look up at the light or whatever, and then it's like, all right, now here's this person that's in the game. Follow them around the room with your eyes. And I'm just like, really? All right, and then this drags on for, like, ever. All right, move forward, backwards, left, right. Now follow them around the room, and then you go to the next room, and you shoot stuff, and then I'm just like, all right, well, I clearly shouldn't have been doing this tutorial. I thought it would have shown me maybe some advanced mechanics, or um, I feel like the people that are going to be playing this game are going to know how to move around on a mouse and keyboard and how to look uh, because it's like a, you know, it's a team-based cooperative <laughs> objective shooter like you you gotta know your shit otherwise you're just gonna get eaten up uh, especially the way the matchmaking works at the moment where you pretty much get matched with high skilled players like if you go in there not knowing how to play a first person shooter you're gonna get your ass kicked uh, so I think they I think they just need to speed up that tutorial a little bit make it a bit quicker um, not so much walking around less story bullshit in there uh, but that was kind of annoying uh, but you had the same experience. You said it was kind of terrible. Is that right? Uh, the tutorial, yeah. The, the, I mean, I haven't yet to play the recent round of the closed beta, which it sounds like from an interview that I had and the patch notes and whatnot that I read, or sorry, the, I guess the incremental notes, because they've changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I haven't experienced that, but the, I remember the tutorial being utter, utter garbage. And I, I'm a person who's a bit OCD about tutorials as well, because like you said, you want to do them in case you miss that one mechanic that's super obvious to anyone who's played the tutorial, but might not be evident when you just jump into the game. Yeah. But I did not find that in that. I think what they should be recommending for people like you who know how to play a shooter is that this private match function where you can go in and test different heroes that's not in an online environment where there's a bunch of American douchebags trying to tell you how to play the game or how to play your class even if you're playing it better than they are and the MVP. <laughs> so I'm not looking forward to that bit, but I do want to play more of it. Um, definitely want to play more of it because I did, I did like what I played, but it's one of those games that has such a strong and necessary emphasis on teamwork that if you're with a dud team, it's just pretty much worth just dropping out. Yeah. yeah. It is not worth sticking around. Uh, and I think that will be the challenge. And, uh, you know, it's certainly my experience with games like Siege, for instance. I don't 
really ever play that by myself mm-hmm. because I don't. I'm sick of going through teams. And, you know, sometimes you get lucky, but you go through and you find a dud team and maybe you've got a challenge to complete, you know, something with a certain character that you wouldn't normally use. So you use them and then you die, but you weren't didn't feel particularly useful to your team because you weren't playing a class that you're strong and confident at. And I don't, yeah, I don't want to be the the guy who's on a team where you're constantly having to change roles because, oh, the healer decided that he didn't want to be a healer anymore. Yeah. You know, that idea where you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, do we not have the basics covered? Yeah. And that's like a, that's something that's really weird to me is that you jump in there and there's, um, it's got this like MOBA vibe to it where there's all these different characters that you can pick but and they've all got their own uh, abilities and they're all do their own thing um, but once you get in there you can switch heroes like on the fly um, and you know the next you may die and then you'll respawn as something else which is super weird because yeah as you said that like you kind of w- want to pick heroes and characters around what the other team has as a composition and if you're constantly changing and they're constantly changing, then it's just this weird vibe that you get. Uh, I think it should be, uh, I don't know, I think I feel like in the competitive scene, it should be at least locked down. I don't know if it is, but that's what I, that's the type of feeling I get from it. Um, yeah, and it's just way too like, um, yeah, there's just way too much there for the audience they're going for with that shithouse tutorial and then <laughs> getting in there and then being like, all right, here's all these heroes or champions, whatever the fuck they're calling them. Um, pick one and then you can change it at any single time because there's you know there's 25 of them or something it's yeah. just really weird it's strange the way they've implemented it all um and like i i kind of i like the idea of it being like this team fortress type based thing but team fortress has like six characters in there and and you can kind of switch between them it doesn't have 20 fucking five different characters you can jump in there and change between um yeah, I, I just don't know if they just have it that way for the moment so they, they can test things or if that's where they're going with the game. It's just really strange to me. I think that's part of um, their commitment to being a shooter first because like you've just mentioned, like they seem to be targeting that kind of Team Fortress crowd, which is that you can come in, you can pick a class, and if you don't like that class or you need to pick a different class to help your team, you can switch on the fly um, because... Battleborn, which I can talk about, uh, the what you've just complained about is not part of Battleborn. Yeah, uh, you, you cannot see what the other team is selecting. I don't know. Is that a MOBA thing? Can you see what you, you can see what the other team is selecting? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can in Battleborn. Well, not from what I played in the PvP. Oh, okay. I couldn't. At least Fair I don't enough. think I could. I might have been drunk. I wasn't drunk. But um, you can't switch classes, which means that when we played like kind of like the first round. And we didn't have a healer that was very challenging and we had to kind of spend our resources on building, uh, instead of turret stations, we had to build healing stations and things like that. But when Job went to a healing class in the next round and then I went to a healing class in the last round, like we found that because we had a dedicated healer, well, we, we won. We smashed them in the first one, and then we we won pretty convincingly in the second one. Even though they they definitely learnt a few more a few more tricks, but uh, yeah, but yeah, like that idea that you can literally start a game without a healer, and you're just like we're we're, we're at a massive disadvantage now because we don't have anyone to heal. It's just kind of kind of crazy, but like that's to me that's kind of like mobile logic, isn't it? Mm. The idea yeah. that you need specific classes ticked off. 
Like you're gonna, you've got to have a tank, you've got to have a healer, and you've, you know, DPS. And that's what Overwatch does. It tells you like we need this or we need that, or you've, we've got too many damage dealers. We don't have enough of this. Like, does it tell you that during the round as well? Uh, I think it does. If you're on the hero select screen, it'll tell you like what you've got and what you need. Um, but not w- when you're playing. Like I know it does it there, but it I'm, I'm not sure because I've never changed heroes during a game. Because I'm just like, why? Why would I do that? Um, you know, or maybe I'm not at high enough level to to understand why you would change halfway through a match. But um, other than like we don't have something, but is it a tactical reason? Do you start off with with? Um, I guess it would be a tactical reason you can do it by getting to a position and making your your defenses a lot better or. Uh, like yeah, it might be that for like a different map you know what i mean like you might go okay so we're at this part of the map now so we know that the turret guy dominates so we're gonna switch to him to build turrets yeah but i think that's also like next level stuff but also for me when i played i was switching characters just because i wanted to have a taste of them all and i didn't want to have to play 25 rounds to find which one was the best so i kind of tried to switch within a class though okay you know which was like like tanks, which which one tank to tank or damage dealer or that sort of thing, rather than just go drastically somewhere else because you started to get a bit of a feel for what those roles did well and you didn't want to mess with that too much. But I think that it did a very good job of providing kind of a lot of information concisely so you could have a look at your abilities at a glance by pressing tab, I think it was, or whatever. Yeah. So you kind of got an idea of what the abilities were, whereas in Battleborn... Because it's so, it's got this RPG system in that you can level your character up through 10 levels during the game. So the more points you're earning, the faster you level up. But there's no pause screen. I think maybe you can do it when you're dead, but you don't want to die, ideally. Yeah. uh, Because the. Because that's feeding. Feeding. Yeah, you don't want to die. Oh, there you go. I don't know what that term means. But <laughs> but also, like, the more success you had, because we were kicking their ass, the longer the respawn timer is. So there would be instances where we had one person on the field and four people waiting 30 seconds to respawn type stuff, and that gives them a huge advantage to push. They weren't very good at that. But, yeah, like, technically, that's, like, a good little risk-reward thing. But at the same time, you start to realize it's not worth just going in to get that last kill just because, like, it's better to preserve your life so but at the same time you've got this dynamic upgrade thing but it's got like the information some of it's at a glance but it's got like a information where you pick between one or the other yep so every level you can and simplify it so if you're playing on pc you just hit a mouse left or mouse right so or controller left trigger right trigger uh so it's really easy to do but like i think it requires a lot of knowledge of the character's to know your upgrade path so that you don't have to think about it. You bring up that screen, you just tap the one that you want straight away without reading it. Because I was there like, okay, I've got to run around a corner. What thing do I want to go with? Oh, I'm a healer. I want to upgrade the heal. Oh, that damage one actually sounds kind of interesting. And my healer is not super squishy, so maybe I should think about that. You know, and you're kind of trying to learn the mechanics of this game for the first time and also not feel like you're like as especially as the healer like where's the healer i need heals and you're like i'm just around the corner upgrading so i was <laughs> like you yeah. know so obviously it'll get to a stage where that's irrelevant because you will know the characters that you play or you will know i guess all of the characters technically and the yeah. upgrade paths that work for you or works for particular tactics uh 
but yeah, I found that a little bit more intimidating than just the simpler approach in Overwatch where you're building up an ultimate and you've got these other abilities on a cooldown and that's kind of it. Even though that was in Battleborn, so you've got abilities on a cooldown, you yep. work up to an ultimate, uh, which you unlock at level 5, it still had this added intricacy, which is like a cool idea, but again, I find it to be a little bit more hardcore. Yeah, well, that that's, the, that's the MOBA thing, is it leveling up and choosing your spells and skills and whatever. But you would do that automatically now, I'm assuming, right? Well, yeah, I do when I play. It's just like I know what I'm going to go or you look yeah. at what the other team's doing or what you've got. Uh, you know, the same with your item builds, having to know like what items you're going to buy based on what your team's building or or what the other team has what, like in terms of their composition. like. Yeah, it's just a knowledge thing, right? <laughs> and there were items as well in uh, Battleborn. I don't know if there are items in Overwatch. Certainly not. There's not in Overwatch. No, there are in, in in Battleborn. Yeah. So they've definitely erred more on the side of shooter, which is interesting. Because can I say this bit? Yes, I can. Um, <laughs> I interviewed a couple of developers, and granted, while they were from the art team, um, they did say that they're approaching this game to be designed as a shooter first, which I found curious because while there was certainly robust shooting mechanics, I didn't feel that it was mm-hmm. a shooter first, especially with the kind of higher time to kill. And though I I will admit that Overwatch, depending on what character you have, there can be a certain element of high time to kill, but I felt that there was characters and abilities that, especially if you came up against other characters, like you knew that you could take that motherfucker down really, really fast. Yeah. So there was always, yeah, like I, I felt like I would agree that Overwatch was or is a shooter first, uh, whereas Battleborn, I'm like, I can kind of see where you're coming from, but I think that it's kind of more of an RPG than a shooter. Yeah. Or a MOBA, I should say. It's more of a MOBA. <laughs> yeah. Because it's got creeps and towers and that sort of stuff in there. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think... I'm going to have to listen to that interview again, but I'm just like... Yeah, because I... And it doesn't have to be a problem. Like, it doesn't have to be a problem if you're not a shooter first, even though at your core you look like a shooter kind of like the division they were very upfront about saying we are an rpg first yes we are a shooter yes we look like a shooter um their core gameplay is a cover-based shooter but we are definitely when it comes down to it we've got to decide between shooting tropes or rpg tropes we go with rpg uh their numbers that shoot out of their head when you fire at them yes yes and an incredibly high time to kill <laughs> you're an rpg <laughs> yeah pretty much but like i would have um, expected that to be said about uh, Battleborn. Yeah. But, but no. Fair enough. Did you like it? Did you have fun? I did. Uh, the PvP was a lot of sh- a lot of fun. Incursion mode, which is very much the MOBA thing with the creeps. Is that the little AI units? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you've got your creeps, which you use to get to the enemies defending two heavily heavily uh shielded and hard hitting motherfucking kind of like boss mechs mm-hmm. and the getting your little ai guys <clears throat> to get to it means that it'll take its shield down faster and then you can obviously deal a lot more damage once that's happened um so there was a lot of protecting your creep while destroying theirs but also prioritizing the players and a lot of diversity between the different um classes so even though i probably only tried 
three or four on a whole day because um, you can't switch. Uh, it was uh, yeah, it was really it was really interesting to find that there was a lot of satisfaction, even as a healing class, which to be honest, I didn't expect to enjoy. I thought I was taking one for the team <laughs> by yeah. choosing. But the one that Joby chose was definitely a lot squishier than mine, whereas mine could take a few more hits. So I was able to get up in people's faces and get behind them because they weren't expecting it. So, And I kind of had like a, a healing ball that I could fire out. So I could fire off a healing thing to help people and it would hurt enemies when they got close to it too. So it had that double thing and then I'd get around behind them and try and stab them in the back. And then I had an amazing ultimate ability that called in basically a fucking meteor shell. <laughs> and once that, once I leveled up the damage and the area of effect on that, that was just like, oh, you've, you're hanging around your creep to protect it? Like, well, okay, bye-bye creep, bye-bye two of your players. Like, <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, we There was some problem with the comms, unfortunately, so we were playing very old-school LAN styles with a uh, single headphone kind of idea. just yelling at each other yelling at each other yeah. uh but that sort of idea of tight teamwork was really necessary people calling out for medics people calling <laughs> to drop back you know support on a certain side or something was happening there's also little stations that you can activate which as i understand is another mobile idea that would let mini bosses enter yeah. kind of the fight so you, you had to you would get pissed off at their presence because they would start chipping away at your turrets and whatnot so you go and take them down and then you want to take the plate back so there was uh, lots of little things you could do on the side and you could also see again against shooter logic in my opinion that you could um play the game in a really supporting role so that shooting like old school kind of headshot ability shooting mechanics could become very secondary to your ability to heal or go and collect all of the um, currency in the world that kind of randomly regenerates so you could build turrets. So you could really feel that you were helping your team uh, even if you weren't directly on the front line dealing damage. Okay. So there's definitely that potential to attract players who like the idea of a shooter but don't necessarily feel that they would be particularly good on the front lines. They can kind of hang around the middle or even at the back and um, be rewarded for playing a support role. Hmm. I heard you guys got carried, though. Why? Uh, I don't disclose my sources. <laughs> Job... No, no, not Joe. No, Jess. No, I don't. Don't disclose my sources. Uh, very nice. Who was on your team? Joe and Jess. And, and <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, a couple of people that I didn't know who were being carried. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely two on our team that we were carrying. Um, oh, less so when one of them subbed out, and I think it was maybe a two K guy that was playing, and he was quite good. Um, but. It was we were treating it as a three-person team, shall we say? Okay. <laughs> That's like, what I heard. I heard that you guys were okay, and she was pretty good. Oh, from the source that you didn't disclose. <laughs> I will not disclose names. Very nice. Yeah. Did I say she? Oh, crap. You did. I will raise that with him or her <laughs> the next time that I see him or her. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, um, so who'd you smash? Who was on the other team? Let's let's name names. The only one that I knew was um, Ed. 
Oh, okay, you smashed Ed. All right, fine. Yeah, but he was he was good. He was he was carrying that team. Like, <laughs> he was uh, playing a tanky kind of damage dealer role both times, and he had a lot of success. So yeah. he was the big threat, and everyone else wasn't at all. <laughs> so okay. I felt sorry for him, and I, I kind of said at the end that I wish that he was on our team and we'd kind of created an all-star team. But that's not very good, probably for the game or for the other for their reviews. <laughs> yeah, for their like, this game is too hard. You just get annihilated. <laughs> I love reading those. I'm sure that two um, K probably wouldn't end up doing that, but you know. <laughs> but no, it's fun. Like, uh, and that's coming from someone who played through. And I can talk around this because it's a loophole. I played the PVE stuff at Gamescom last year. Okay. And I just nothing did. I didn't hate it. I was just like, this, I don't get it. I yeah. don't, do not get it. I mean, that was, it, you know, the AI was dumb as shit, which is kind of like what I was expecting from Borderlands and whatnot. But like working together as a team, but I was also just kind of like trying to be top of the leaderboard which is still I think a part of it mm-hmm. even though you're trying to work as a team you're still trying to be the best one in your team but I found the metrics really confusing as to how it rated and graded things uh, but I just was kind of like shooting my way through this really kind of bad horde mode mm-hmm. and I was like I'm not really enjoying this at all so I didn't end up writing anything about it last year because I was just like I just didn't have any strong feelings for that game um, but having played the pvp now i'm like yes that's um i can see the fun i can see the appeal but once again have to have the right team <laughs> i do not see myself playing that game in the sense that i'm like i'm just going to jump online by myself and have a cheeky couple of rounds of uh, battleborn nope i'm going to jump on when everyone else is playing and only then all right yeah i mean when i played it i enjoyed it i, I think i enjoyed it more than what i enjoyed um overwatch when i when i was playing those two games uh, mainly because of the moba um elements that it brings to it so it's something i'm keen to to play a bit more once it's out by yourself even um i don't know i have to see okay i'd have to see i'm not too sure like i think it'd be a fun game to play with other people but yeah it depends if they have servers here and and what happens and all that sort of fun stuff good good yeah uh because I was, well, no, I think I still am. I am in a closed beta or an alpha. I think it was a closed alpha, but I can't talk about that. So, wah, not, wah, wah, wah. not much I can say. Oh, yeah. Other than um, just agree with you on things, I guess. Or that sounds good. Knowledge, yeah. That does sound like a feature of that game. Yes. Yes, correct. All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about, or are you all done now? Man, my voice hurts. I'm, all right. Uh, I'm done. You can do a lot of talking now. I don't have a fucking... Anyway, that's... I don't have any games to talk about because, as I said, I watched a bunch of Dota um, over the last week. They had their, their major tournament. Uh, so, it's pretty much just that. So, let's go on to news. So, what you're saying is that I carried you through this. Fuck yeah. That's the only reason you were here. <laughs> it's because I had nothing to talk about. And last week, we were like, oh, I think Nathan's got a lot to talk about. He went to London, right? We should get him back on. Sure yep. does. All right, so um, news. Harmonix launched a Kickstarter for the PC version of Rock Band 4. It's not really... Um, it's not on Kickstarter. It's on Fig, that other Kickstarter thing that's going around. Uh, but they're asking for $1.5 million 
to get this game on PC. They've currently got uh, 350k with 30 days left. So, uh, to me, it doesn't look like they're going to hit this goal. <laughs> it seems like they're quite a, a way off, but it uh, it's going to basically be the full game of Rock Band 4. You can back it for 50 bucks, and you'll get the... Um, I guess the game and then they've got a bunch of other tiers above that that'll get you other things like t-shirts and all that all this type of bullshit that normally comes with with that sort of stuff um but all the controllers will work with the pc version um i don't know what sort of things you'll need in terms of adapters or um or drivers or whatnot how that'll comes together i don't really go into much detail from what i can gather drivers usually isn't it it's the beautiful thing about the PC is if it's USB, you can generally plug it in and get a fucking driver for it. Yeah, I know the um, PlayStation ones were okay, but I don't know how the how the um, Xbox ones work. I, I think the Xbox One ones are okay, but I can't be 100% sure because I've not played it on Xbox. But anyway, um, yeah, that's it's kind of interesting because I, I think that Rock Band 4 bombed pretty hard for them. Um, and they're looking to try and just make more money out of it, which is disappointing. But that when they did release that game, it was just a heap of shit. They missing features, things didn't work, um, a lot of problems with the stores, getting your old content across. Like it took them a long time to fix all that sort of stuff. I did you play. Don't you? Yeah, we played it, didn't we? No, not me. I wasn't there. No. Um, okay. But yeah, okay. Um, I did play it. Yeah, we we had f- okay fun, but for somebody that's um. Like to get it to get a couple of people around and play it, it, it's okay. But I played it quite like hardcore. Um, you know, bump the difficulty right up, and their uh, their calibration system is just shit house. It, it's never been good. It, they, they've never like they've never gotten in there and said, "All right, well, this one's not that great. Let's think of a new way to do it." Um, I think that the DJ Hero um, calibration was a lot better because you could kind of test it on the fly as well and kind of get a feel for what was going on whereas this one is like hey uh play to the beat of the notes and we'll see how that goes and maybe it'll be good maybe it'll be bad and a lot of people have jumped onto youtube and and made better ways of doing the calibration like things like doing it and turning your sound system off and just pay attention um you know doing it like blind have someone watching just because the way they do it is just crap uh which is which sucks because the whole basis around the game is to hit notes on time and if the calibration's not very good then you're not going to have a good experience on those high difficulties you can't play it if yeah they can't get that's like the essential thing to get right first otherwise you're fighting uphill uh, against the game mechanics yeah um one thing they did introduce a couple games back was by putting uh like a an audio and lighting system inside of the guitar controllers but that's never fucking worked properly either so I would love to get just the guy that designed this or girl, whatever, the person that designed this just over to my house one day and be like, just fucking calibrate this thing for me and then we'll see how it runs. Like, and just be like, come on, no, you do it. You sit here and fucking do it and we'll see what happens. And I want to see him spend two hours trying to calibrate this thing and get it spot on because it's one of those things where you do it and um, it gives you the numbers. You're like, all right, fair enough. You go in there and it's not, it's not right. And so you go back. And you go forward and you go back and you're trying to like basically do increments to get it perfect. It's just fucking too much time, man. You spend more time trying to calibrate at a high level than trying to play the fucking game. Uh, That's garbage. It it needs to be better than that. Yeah. So, but in saying that, maybe (laughs) 
maybe them bringing it to the PC would be pretty cool um, because I'm not using a giant ass TV TV to run it on and um, yeah maybe the monitor would be better but then I'm playing on a small screen and I don't have room around it to play on like I don't know and that's the kind of thing like you would go to um, like these conventions and the where they'd have tournaments and that sort of thing and they wouldn't be using giant ass TVs because of the lag issues they would use like really fast um monitors to get this sort of stuff done because nobody could play it on tvs because the calibration was shithouse and it's kind of unfortunate that's you know that's the game yeah Uh, that sucks man yeah and it's something that's kind of gotten worse as tvs have kind of got more features and gotten better like back in the day um when tvs were a lot smaller and they didn't have all this you know post-processing on them and that sort of stuff was a lot better and you could do more accurate things you know you would you would calibrate it and you'd get like you know 45 milliseconds or something now it's up to 150 200 milliseconds on your calibration settings so it sucks <laughs> yeah fuck that noise anyway uh yeah i don't think they're gonna reach this goal they've got a lot way long way to go they're asking for a lot of money 1.5 million is a lot of money for a very niche game for a port as well yeah so you've got to actually have the instruments right yeah, and that's that's a hell of a lot of investment too to to play a game, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm sure there are some tiers that come with the controllers. Yes, yeah, signed guitar controller, gu- guitar controller for a thousand dollars. You don't get anything else, so um, <laughs> there's no drums anyway. Five hundred dollars sold out. Two fifty. No, no controllers. All right, cool. So you've got to already have the controllers or buy them externally from somewhere, which is um, they're actually going quite cheap at the moment because the game didn't sell. So oh, that's not pick good it because up. wasn't the new Guitar Hero game pretty garbage too? Uh, I heard it was okay. Yeah, but that was the so that was the DJ Hero guys that made that one, um, and from what I understand, they did some really interesting things with mechanics and and that sort of stuff. So I think they tried a bit more. They tried to make something new. And interesting, whereas Rock Band was just the same thing again for people to play their old songs on. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, you going to E3 this year, Nathan? Uh-uh. Neither is anyone else. I've never been. You've never been. It's pretty fun. Uh-uh. Don't know about this year, though. Uh, everybody's pulling out. So we talked a couple of weeks back about EA. Uh, will be removing their booth. Basically, when you walk into E3 at uh, one of the halls there, EA is pretty much right at the front. You walk in, they're there. Who's EA? Uh, So they're getting out of there. They're doing their own event externally. And then over the last week, we've heard that Activision won't be there, Wargaming won't be there, and Disney is also pulled out. Fuck yeah, this is good. So um, you're left with people like Yubi, Bethesda, 2K... Uh, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, but uh, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft are kind of in their own hall uh, somewhere else. So this this other hall is getting quite uh, empty. There's a lot of space around there, which is uh, not good. Uh, I don't know, like if this is going to be a trend for next year. Like, what happens next year? Do, do all these people come back, or because um, basically they they lose their boot space at this stage. Um, can they come back from there? It sounds like there's an awful lot of politics going on behind, but not just like 
the usual thing when you heard that like EA's pulling out, you're like, oh yeah, okay, so they're going to do their own thing. Bit of a fuck you. Like Sony didn't really have a presence at uh, Gamescom last year, mm-hmm. so they essentially because there's you know, that whole thing of like who won the this convention, and so they gifted Microsoft that basically. Um, but then they had their own thing, and obviously recently their own thing that I went to, but. EA, I was like, okay, so EA's not there. They feel that they've got enough to show off in their own thing, and they're doing a bit of a... Like, even the dates, man, they're, like, doing a bit of a fuck you to E3 because they're doing it a couple of days before. It's on the weekend before E3, yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But then when you hear about these other ones pulling out, and, like, EA and Activision, you'd be like, holy shit, so Acti's going to fucking go all out on this, and you're like, oh, no, Acti's not going to be there. Yeah, so Acti, when you go to Activision, um, they don't have a big floor presence in terms of what the quote-unquote public can kind of do um a lot of their stuff is behind closed doors but they do have a lot of things there when you do go and see them uh so it's not like they've got computers or or, um, consoles out on the floor that you can play um they usually have a giant ass screen with some sort of moving fucking platform that you can watch the latest call of duty trailer on so them pulling (laughs) out is kind of interesting because they are you know you've got ea and activision the two biggest publishers in the world going yeah we're going to do our own thing uh which, yeah, like, what does that mean for the future of E3 is kind of interesting. And, and I guess where, you know, the thing we've been talking about recently over the past, like, six months of when we go to events and looking around and being like, there aren't many media type here. It's a lot of streamers and YouTubers. That seems to be the direction they're focusing on these days. We are a dying breed. Yeah. And um, looks like it's going to, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth going to E3 this year if you're an international person. It's um, Yeah, it's certainly not that comprehensive thing that it's been in the past. I know that um, people, like my editors, used to just be in complete disbelief about how have you never been to an E3? And they were like, I imagine that E3 is like a freelancer's wet dream. You'd go there and you'd have content ready to pitch for the next three to six months. Like if you get to interview everyone and you get to play everything. Mm-hmm. So anyone who wasn't able to see everything that you played or people who didn't have a presence there or didn't make it over, you would just have a monopoly on that. I'm like, yeah, I guess, but I didn't really want to fork out the money to, to go, to be honest. Yeah. It's, you know, you got to get over there and you probably spend about two grand easily. Yeah. So like if you can't make back you don't just want to break even like i love games as much as the next person but yeah you, when you're investing that sort of money just to get the um to get this kind of like crazy access it, it starts to weigh it up and you're like is this really worth my time and a lot of the time people want you to cover that shit from home anyway hmm. so what i do is i tend to get like collect the latest and greatest news and watch everything live online and then write up reports about it and then, you know, grab trailers and images and all this shit and collate it and put it on PC PowerPlay it was last year. So I basically just did a whole month's worth of work in three days just covering E3 and it was good because like as someone who's interested in games, like personally I play a lot of games in my spare time as well so I want to know about the latest greatest games coming out and I get to write about it as well so that was cool. But like the way that it's changed not just in terms of focusing on streamers but like in in realizing that they can stream directly to the the audience. It starts to become a little bit like I mean obviously you can't have hands-on time but you can still see quite a bit of chunk of content and not be there. Yeah, 
and that's for the general public as well. Like, I think that's great. Yeah, and I guess they're able to have more control over the, like, what they want out there as well. Like, the information and, like, just the shit that normally will jump in and be like, oh, well, this doesn't look that great, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, the average person that doesn't see this stuff behind the scenes lot doesn't know what's what's not good or they're just fucking hyped about it because they're seeing this new awesome content. You yeah. Know, they're, not getting ha- they're not getting hands-on with the game. Uh, they're not speaking to developers. They're not getting interviews, like asking usually hard or boring questions sometimes, uh, but like interesting questions depending on who you, who you are. Uh, yeah, it's they're just basically going to the the fans, directly to the fans and being like, here's what we've got. Uh, pre-order the game, please. Yeah, and that's probably what this EA thing will be. I'm not sure. Has Activision Wargaming and Disney announced that they're going to be doing their own little separate things as well? Not that I know of. Um, no, I don't think so at the moment. It'd be interesting yeah. to see what happens. It'd be interesting to see what official comments are said at E at E three, but um, I haven't heard the best things about E three from uh, people who go and put things on there either. So I I think that it's kind of like a, a convention that needs to evolve in a certain way, um, and this might be the kick up the ass that it needs. Yeah, maybe they need to move it to Vegas. That's the problem. <laughs> maybe yeah um i because i think they're i think it might be next year that their um their contract could be up for that venue interesting it might be so this could be a way them you know getting out of there but we'll find out i don't think i'm going this year again not with all this stuff that's you know that's now very large companies that have pulled out and we don't know who else is going to pull out in the next couple of months three months yeah, when, when did, did these all pull out at the same time? Because I'd heard about the EA one. I hadn't heard about these other ones. These three were literally the last uh, week. Fuck, that's hectic. Yeah. It's nuts. Because they, they take up a lot of room. Wargaming, Acti, and Disney. Yeah, they're all big boots, those ones. They're not small boots. <laughs> no, no, EA and Acti alone is, is huge. And like Wargaming, from what I've seen of other conventions, likes to make have a big presence as well. Disney's got some... I mean, they've got that um, Disney Infinity stuff, which is going gangbusters. So, yeah, pretty interesting to see. Yeah, I saw a picture of what it looks like now, uh, and there's just giant fucking holes in the room. <laughs> oh, dear, that doesn't look good for anyone. No, no, not at all. Uh, anyway, that's uh, E3 for this year. <laughs> um, and that's our news. That's all we've got for news because it's, uh, it's Monday. All the news pretty much comes out tomorrow. Saws. Yeah, that's Nathan's fault. No, not really. Anyway, uh, we'll do emails quickly. I think there might be some. Uh, it's the GA podcast at gmail.com where you can email us in. And we do have uh, we do have one from we did that one last week from Clinton. And he writes in, Hi guys. I've been listening to you guys talk about Dark Souls for years. While I've been interested in the game, I've always been put off by its legendary hard difficulty level. Over the past six months, I've been watching Let's Plays of Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2. Now that I've seen the game in action, I feel like I have a better idea of what to expect, and I'm confident that I can play the game and enjoy the experience. That's not to say that I'll be any good at it. I know I'll suck, but with, the determin- sorry, but with a bit of determination and perseverance, I should be able to get through 
Anyway, at this point, I'm undecided if I should give Dark Souls 3 when it I should, sorry, if I should dive into Dark Souls 3 when it comes out, or if I should start from Dark Souls and work through the series chronologically. What would you recommend? Uh, Nathan, have you played any Dark Souls? Fuck no. All right, well, that's good. Um, what would I recommend? I've played, I've played Dark Souls 2, I've played Dark Souls 1. Um, I don't know, like, it depends on what, you're playing it on i think if you're playing it on a playstation or something like that then um yeah you can probably give dark souls to it a go dark souls 2 is very good uh, and that'll get you up to date of kind of how to play the game and what's going on uh because there were so many problems with dark souls on the pc and just such a pain in the ass to try and get that up and running um yeah I'd, i'd probably sway away from that um but if you can play it on the console then yeah give it a go it, it's still very good and fun um but definitely two i think two is a good starting point either on the pc or the console uh if you want to wait for three i mean it's not that far away it's about a it's about a month um yeah it's the end of this month basically it comes out if it's a type of game where you'll play it and it'll drain you like so much because it's so it's so challenging but rewarding uh if it's if you want to go straight into dark souls 3 straight after that it could be a bit of a pain you might need to give it a couple months like i don't know if i could put myself through all of that and just uh, in one big slog but yeah i guess think about when you want to play dark souls 3 uh and if you if it's something you do want to play then uh, maybe just jump straight into that but if you if you want to give it a bit of time and you know, space it out a bit, then yeah, I'd try two first and then and then go from there and see how you feel. If you get to the end of two and you're, you're good and you feel like you can slog through another, I don't know, 30, 40 hours of more Dark Souls, then go nuts, I'd say. Yeah, you'll have a lot of fun with it though. It's one of the best best uh, games you'll play, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. You should play it, Nathan. It's very good. I don't wanna. You should play it, Nathan. You need to play Dark Souls, you need to play mobile. That's your homework. Sounds like garbage. I hate my homework. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think that was it for e- emails this week. Yes, the rest of them are uh, stuff from PlayStation and Sony emailing us. So, the GA podcast at gmail.com is, is where you can email us, like Clinton. Uh, thanks for the email. Oh, I think he had one more question. Let me check. Um, oh, he wanted to know where we are, who the person is that does the the dark souls law videos um that's vati video you'll find him on youtube he's one of jeremy's friends jeremy knows him uh vati video yes that's his name anyway uh you can also find us on facebook.com slash the ga podcast we're on twitter.com slash the ga podcast you can find the website at gapodcast.com we're on itunes android windows store we can rate and review us and uh myself you can find me at twitter.com slash luke laurie l-a-w-r-e and i'm also at survivor.com where you can see my preview of dark souls 3 which i put up last week go read that it's um it's pretty good i don't know if it's pretty good but it's probably pretty good <laughs> you hope it's pretty good <laughs> yeah what about you nathan where are you at you're on twitter right you don't use it yeah, I don't use Twitter. Don't hit me up on Twitter, please. But follow me because it makes me feel better about myself. Uh, you can find a piece on five reasons why 
Battlefield 5 will be great in World War One, and also five reasons why it won't, because I'm sneaky like that, on IGN. Uh, you'll see me all over PC Powerplay soon. Have a look at Red Bull to see some of my recent work, including a bit more information about some of the titles I've touched on uh, earlier. My God, so many titles. And I think that's about it. Is that Do I write for anyone else online? Game Informer? No. no. Oh, Game Informer Magazine. Yeah, definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, this is something about No Man's Sky uh, in the next issue and I proof it so those Aussie pages look amazing in terms of their spelling and punctuation and consistency so you should definitely just read it for that where'd Dave go? did he go on holidays or something? no no yeah no he's still like he does the sub edit and I do the proofread so Ah. yeah it's good is that Pat? Pat's getting restless? It is. Yeah, I think he's getting sick of me talking. <laughs> we got to play some fucking Siege, motherfucker. And also K-Zone, um, as of recently. So if you are a child listening to this podcast, you probably you shouldn't, shouldn't be. be. <laughs> or if you want to um, read my writings as aimed at nine-year-old me, <laughs> then check out K-Zone. It's actually a lot of fun to write for that, and I get to make some fun puns and fart jokes. Nice. Is your picture in K-Zone? No, God, no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's a bit scary. Yeah. Complicated games, little kids. <laughs> <laughs> for the people at home who don't understand the context, I have a beard, so immediately that makes me suspicious around children, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't say you did. Well, I was just explaining the joke because they're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, that's it for this week. Nathan, thank you for coming along and putting 300 games on the list. Just a short one this this week. Yeah, there's, um, you know, it could have just been me talking about Overwatch for 10 minutes and that would have been the show. Well, I should have said no to coming on then. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. I like it when you're here. It means uh, we can talk about things without Job. Yeah, right? Like, can't have me and Job. I think that that's... Uh, yeah, could you imagine if Job was here? There'd be 40 fucking games on this list. Yeah, it would be insane. and He'd want to know everything about those games intricately instead of those very succinct summaries that I gave towards the end. Yeah, exactly. See, I don't give a shit. I'm just like, just keep talking, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you feel free to ask questions. Like, I'll just keep ranting until you ask a question. Yeah, I feel like if I was like asking questions, we would be here forever. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, next time I play 30 games, I'll just be like, okay, Luke, you're going to guide me. You tell me the one biggest thing you want to know about this, and I'll just answer that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, that's that's it. That's it for this, this week, right? I think. Yes. Yes. Trying right. to have dinner. <laughs> you should have dinner. Um, we'll be back next week. We're going to talk about uh, The Division. That's out tomorrow afternoon for oh, some shit, stupid it's... reason. Um. I hope I get a copy. If I don't, I'll be getting it on PC. Um, I'm sure Yubi will troll me and send it on fucking Xbox or something. Xbox 360. Probably. They, <laughs> yeah, I've got an Xbox One copy of Siege here. Last week they sent me the... Or two weeks ago they sent me PlayStation 4 version of, of um, Far Cry. So I'm waiting for a Wii U version of fucking The Division or something to come through. Why don't you just hit them up and just say, Hey guys, uh, PC is my preferred platform. I should, shouldn't I? Yeah, they like to know that stuff. And also, I feel like PCs are a whole lot easier to deal with because I'm pretty sure they're just going to send us codes so they don't need to pay for postage. Yeah, I'll do that. Boom. If something comes through, I'll be like, come on, man. Just, come on, guy. Come on, guy. <laughs> what are you doing to me? I'm a PC guy. Come on. Do not listen to my 14-hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nathan's 14-hour podcast. I know, it was my fault this time. <laughs> Usually I blame Job. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll try and get you back on soon so we can talk about Division because that'll be out. and I'm pretty sure we'll be playing a bit of that over the next week. And we get to level up ahead of Job. So, scandalous. I have to carry him through. Well, when I'll be carrying him, let's be honest. This is true. This is true. He likes to talk it up, but the stories I hear all the time, it's, you know, no, it's because we're not there. That's usually the case. <laughs> exactly. I hear from my undisclosed sources that that's the case. Whoever she or he may be. <laughs> exactly. All right. Thanks for coming along, Nathan. Everyone exactly. else. See you next week. Bye.